This is the Manga Mavericks podcast from allcomic.com, episode 112. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lum Ramiyasha, and today we are unveiling the results of our annual survey for this year, in which all you fine foes contributed your thoughts and your opinions on what our favorite podcasts were last year, what you really liked about the show last year, and what you'd like to see us do going forward in 2020 and beyond. We got a lot of great responses, and we had a great time talking about them, and I hope you enjoy listening. Yeah, we uh, we really thought the uh, results were very interesting this time around, and uh, just at the top of the show, we want to we wanna thank everybody who uh, who took the survey and uh, who took the time out of their busy schedules to uh, to give us feedback, because uh, it'll really uh, help us kind of figure out what to do with the show in the long run, and uh, how to make it even better. So, uh, thank you to listeners like you. That's right. Before we get into that, though, we have some news to discuss, and we need to start off the show with some more serious stories. First of which being an update on the health of the creator of Gangsta, Kosuke, they have unfortunately been diagnosed with autoimmune disease. They revealed this on their Twitter account recently, that they have been diagnosed with systemic lupus erythematosus, and their joints and blood vessels have become inflamed, which causes anemia, relates in fever, and one of their eyes is almost blind. But they have reassured fans that their work is going to continue, albeit slowly, and they have already submitted a new chapter of Gangsta. So this disease is one that attacks uh, the immune system of the body, or rather the immune system attacks the body. And Kosuke had already previously been diagnosed with eosinophilic disorder, which is a similar autoimmune disease. And because of their health problems, Kosei does take frequent hiatuses from serializing gangsta. So it's very unfortunate to hear that they've been diagnosed with another disease. And I just hope that they continue to take care of their health and get great treatment and, you know, just uh, continue to take care of themselves. It's always very unfortunate to hear about, you know, people falling into health problems like this oh yeah i mean needless to say i'm sure we can expect more hiatuses from from gangsta in the future but uh obviously that's that's not the most important thing here but uh you know uh we here at manga mavericks uh wish all the best for kosuke and hey you know if you want to follow her on twitter and uh you know, let her know that uh, you're really rooting for her to get better, or you want to let her know how much you, you love reading her work. You know, you can follow her at go underscore Kosuke. Uh, that's spelled K-O-H-S-K-E. And uh, yeah, just uh, go give her a follow. And again, uh, send her send her some nice words of encouragement. I'm sure she'd really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. The second big story I have to talk about, you may have heard a ton of controversy around and it has to do with My Hero Academia. In chapter 259, we got the true name of the mad scientist who was responsible for creating the Nomu, who had previously been referred to as Daruma Ujiko. In chapter 259, their real name was revealed as Maruda Shiga, and this caused a huge 
controversy and tons of backlash online from Chinese and Korean fans because the name of this character it seemed like a very insensitive reference to war crimes Japanese soldiers committed to Chinese and Korean prisoners during uh, the second Sino-Japanese War of World War II. Maruda specifically refers to the codename for human experimentation undertaken by the Imperial Japanese Army's Unit 731 during WW2. It was a term specifically used for Chinese victims of the experiments, and Maruda is the Japanese word for logs. And this is a reference to the fact that the facilities where the human experiments were done in, uh, the cover story for them that was that they were lumber mills. And the victims included children, elderly people, pregnant women, mentally handicapped. A lot of different people were purposely infected with diseases and dissected and lobotomized. And, you know, horrible, horrible war crimes were done to them. Shiga also refers to a toxin, a poison used during World War II as well that caused you know what causes paralysis and all sorts of things so the entire name seemed like a direct reference to human experimentation during world war ii which you know seemed very intentional considering the fact that this character created the nomu which are the results of human experiments of course it could be all just an innocent mistake because in Hirokoshi's, you know, apology that was uh, released, he said that, you know, Maruda was taken from the kanji for round fact that reflects the appearance of the character, and Shiga is just a part of Shigaraki, all for one's name. Of course, Maruda could also be, be referring to, like, a tree trunk, uh, which also goes into kind of a naming scheme that Korokoshi has for characters who don't have quirks. They all have some sort of relation in their name to trees of some kind. So that could have also been another reason for the name. However, it does feel very unlikely that Horikoshi would not know about this. I mean, at the same time, this could be a lapse in education that people in schools aren't really taught about, like, crimes the Japanese committed themselves on other people during the war. So it could have been an innocent mistake. It could have been intentional. Regardless, both Shueisha and Horikoshi are, were very apologetic. They issued apology letters. But the ramifications are definitely long-lasting because My Hero Academia, still as of the time of this recording, is no longer available on Chinese digital platforms they were taken down, and a mobile game that was in development, My Hero Academia Strongest Hero, has also since been removed from its TapTap Tap Studio page. So, it remains to be seen whether the series will be added back to Chinese digital manga services, or the game will be continued. But, the name of the character has been redone and they are now called Kudai Goraki. And Kudai is written with the kanji for ball. And Big and Goraki is just the last uh, name of Shigaraki. The last part of that 
name, and it also includes the county for tree, which, you know, continues with the naming scheme that Horikoshi has for quirkless characters. So, if you go and check digital versions of the chapter now, you will see that the name has been changed, and in the print release, of course, in the volume, it will be reflected there, so... It is a very unfortunate consequence that has seemingly resulted from ignorance on Horikoshi's part or just a very insensitive decision to name their character. Probably not thought all the way through, at the very least. Yeah, it'd be like naming a Nazi who is like in charge of concentration camps and Frank. It's just that insensitive yeah, to like name oof, yeah. like an evil person committing crimes against humanity after the name of a real like victim. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure I I would like to think personally he probably didn't mean it as like uh you know as like an intentionally like malicious thing, but No, definitely not. But I'm also of the mind that like c- considering like what what this character in My Hero Academia is involved with, I can't help but think it was probably an intentional reference still. Yes. Um but but still it, it's it is good that like he apologized. I I I do have a lot of respect for Horikoshi for uh for doing that at least. Yeah. He apologized to the people he hurt, which is the important thing. And in the future, no doubt Shueisha is going to be a little more hands-on and sensitive when it comes to topics that pertain to worldwide, you know, interests, like in po- politically, culturally, they're going to be a little more sensitive to those kind of things so that mistakes like this can't happen again in the future. We, we can only hope so, anyway. But speaking of My Hero Academia, if we want to celebrate some of its successes, it continues to do quite well over here in the United States. Oh, yeah, for sure. So uh, we do have, uh, first off, the monthly book scan list for January to talk about, where My Hero Academia, if I counted correctly, out of the 20 graphic novels on this list overall... T- basically 10 spots on this list have been taken over by My Hero Academia. Uh, that is 10 out of the 17 manga volumes on this list. That is well over half the list at this point. I would say about... 85%. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, it's uh, First off, we have Volume 1 ranking at number 2, with Volume 2 ranking at number 4. Uh, with Volume 22 ranking at number 7, Volume 3 ranking at number 8... Volume 4, ranking at number 11. Volume 20, ranking at number 13. With Volume 21, ranking at number 15. Volume 5, ranking at 16. uh, Along with uh, Volumes 19, ranking at 18. And Volumes 18, ranking at 19. Uh, A little (laughs) switch there, but uh, anyway. um, So, yeah. uh, My Hero Academia, thankfully, still continues to do well. Even even with all the, uh, the controversies lately, I still think it's a series that deserves its praise and sales. And so, yeah, enough of that. Uh, we got to get to the other manga on this list, uh, starting with uh, Akira Himikawa's The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess Volume 6 and Number 5. Uh, obviously, Legend of Zelda continues to do well over here because it's The Legend of Zelda. Everybody loves Zelda. 
And then, uh, if I'm reading this correctly, we have two volumes of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba on this list, uh, with volume 10 ranking at number 6, I believe that is the newest volume at the time of this recording, um, mm-hmm. with volume 1, once again, ranking on the list at number 12, so I'm glad to see at least more than one volume of Demon Slayer on this list. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe that's the trend moving forward, where you're going to constantly see Volume 1 on this list due to all the people getting into Demon Slayer, and then uh, for everybody who's caught up, the newest volume is probably going to be on the list when that comes out, Uh, but I guess only time will tell. And then we once again have uh, Junji Ito's Uzumaki, the hardcover edition, ranked at number 10. Again, uh, Junji Ito is just a... Again, it's just a... Just a name that is licensed to print money here at this point, uh, because we also have uh, his version of No Longer Human, ranked at number 14 as well. Uh, and then continuing onwards, we have uh, the vo- the first volume of the Persona 5 manga adaptation, ranked at number 17, which is pretty cool. And then we have volume 13 of The Promised Neverland at volume 20, which I believe is the newest volume. I haven't really been keeping track of... Um, releases for the promised neverland but it's still nice to see that on here as well and so yeah that's basically the list for for january again not only are uh 17 of these spots taken over by manga but 10 of them my hero academia and uh yeah it's um it's it's a pretty interesting list from you know from what we would have seen like a couple of years ago where stuff like tokyo ghoul and one punch man were just completely dominating yeah, newer series have taken their places. My Academia is like the new Tokyo Ghoul and One Punch Man combined, essentially. <sighs> but it is nice to see such strong manga domination on the book scan. And it's nice to see a few things pop up on here that we only see every once in a while. Like Promised Neverland, we don't see too often, but it's nice to see that it continues to be doing well. And Demon Slayer, I do agree that... We will continue to see Volume 1 continue to do well as more people discover the series. The new volume continue to do well as more people, like, pick them up. And I wouldn't be surprised if just Demon Slayer in general continues to take more spots on the list going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of uh, domination on the book scan list, we're not quite there with the New York Times bestselling manga and graphic novel list. But, uh, hey, we do have more than one manga volume on the list out of uh, out of 15 here on the list. Uh, starting from the bottom up, at number 14, we have volume 10 of Demon Slayer Kimetsu no Yaiba, along with uh, The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, volume 6 and number 13. And then uh, climbing its way up, we have volume 1 of My Hero Academia at number 8 on the list. So it's 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 nice to see that uh, more manga can finally break through this list other than just My Hero Academia. Yeah, it's nice to see at least one-fifth of this list is manga this uh, for this month, so that's quite nice. Uh, hopefully we'll see that upward trend continue. Demon Slayer ranking amongst, like, all these different, like, graphic novels tells me that uh, it's probably doing super well for Viz, hopefully, or at least it's starting to. Definitely. I think we're going to see it continue to grow as another huge tentpole title for Viz. Mm-hmm, hopefully. But I think that's all we really have to say about that list in particular. And uh, that's about it for all of our lists. So we're just going to move on to 
the the one real like notable piece of serialization news we have at the time of this recording lum if you want to go ahead and take that away Yes, after many false finishes, it seems that the Seven Deadly Sins will indeed be concluding very soon, according to the Twitter account for Nakaba Suzuki's editor, where they posted a color printing proof of the manga's 40th volume, which included a color photo of the author's note in which Suzuki reported that the manga has only one more volume left after volume 40. Volume 40 being the latest volume that shipped out in Japan on February 17th. So volume 41 is supposedly the final volume of the Seven Deadly Sins. And I did the math. If volume 40 ends with chapters 336 and the average amount of chapters of the Seven Deadly Sins volume is about nine chapters... The series should probably end around chapters 345, 346, so there's only about five or so chapters left, probably, of the seven deletions at this point, only a little over a month left, which is interesting. They beat the Demon King a few months ago, and then it seemed like we were going into this whole new arc involving chaos and Merlin and stuff, but it seems that this really is more of an epilogue. So, I'm not surprised that it could wrap up so quickly, but it is interesting, and yeah, it looks like Seven of the Sins will be ending soon, and I think it'll end on a high note. It's been pretty good just in this entire past year, ever since that shocking moment where it was like, oh, we're dropping a rock on Elizabeth, uh, the series is not over yet. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing how it ends, especially since back in August 2018, in an interview with Katakawa's Da Vinci Magazine, Suzuki said that, you know, he was planning for about 40 volumes for the story, but the ending he has in mind, he has plans since the beginning of the manga, and he plans to give it a ending wordy of a shonen magazine. So, looking forward to that. But now we're going to get into some licensing news. And first, let's talk about a new addition to the Shonen Jump Digital Vault. Yes, let's. Um, so the Viz Shonen Jump Vault has added a an interesting new addition in the way of the right way to make jump, uh, which uh, for those who may not know is essentially this. Uh, it's it's a it's a one shot volume collection of this gag manga artist's journey into actually like taking a visit to Shueisha and. Uh, basically learning from there like you know how jump is made everything from like how how series are picked up and uh how basically like everything from like how editorial works to like how show to jump is like printed they actually like go to the printing warehouse and like see how a ton of jump is printed on the spot and it's it's all it's all really cool stuff like if if you're if you're a fan of Shonen Jump like us and uh and you ever wanted to learn like the in and outs of like how it's actually like physically produced even like this is this is the series for you um I think Viz is still selling this digitally but uh you know if, if you if you have a Shonen Jump subscription uh you could pretty much read all of this I think all 30 plus chapters of it um, this was something that ran in Jump Plus back in 2014. Um, I think all this research and everything that uh, Takeshi Sakurai, the uh, the author of said series, went through, I think probably probably happened like a year or two before it was published. So all this stuff is technically a few years old at this point, but it's still pretty relevant. It's it's old enough to where like you know they they make references to 
to uh, Sirachi and Gintama every once in a while. Um, so this was obviously back when Gintama was still running, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'd still say it's it's worth a read. Um, and it even includes uh, it even includes a chapter where they visit Kohei Horikoshi of My Hero Academia fame, and they get to talk to him for a little bit, and it's uh, it's pretty neat. And I, and I think this is Shonen Jump back when it was a magazine. They they ran a preview chapter of this, but uh, they even get the chance to go to the USA and like visit uh, visit the Viz offices and uh, get to hang out with them. And they marvel at how much bigger our manga volumes are. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, they get they get to see how the digital magazine worked at the time again when it was a digital magazine. <laughs> So again, it, it, this might be a little dated in that aspect, but again, I would still say it's uh, it's still worth a read for anybody who wants to find out how how Jump is made. So uh, we'll leave a link to that in the show notes for anybody who wants to check that out. It's only two dollars to read the whole thing. Yeah, very entertaining and educational manga, and glad that it's finally available in the vault. But this has also licensed a ton of new titles that. We should get into on the subject of Shonen Jump stuff. They are going to be debuted in Chainsaw Man and print in digital volumes this fall 2020. And for fans of Naruto novels, Naruto Sasuke Story Star Pupil, otherwise known as Sasuke Shinden, that novel is coming out printed digital in fall as well. And beyond that, though, we've got more stuff outside of Shonen Jump, including some Shonen Sunday titles. And if you're a fan of Kenjiro Hata's Hayate the Combat Butler, you may have noticed that digital volumes of the series have been sold finally recently on Viz's website and on other digital platforms. And it looks like they're not done just with Hayate publishing that because they're taking Kata's newest title into print and digital this fall, Fly Me to the Moon, otherwise known as Tony Kaku Kawaii. Now, I don't know much about the series, but I do know someone who does. V-Lord, can you tell me about Tony Kaku Kawaii and why this is a big deal, why you really love the series? Oh, yes. Yes, I can. <laughs> so, Tony Kaku Kawaii um, is about a boy named NASA who was named NASA basically because, like, his parents wanted him to be, like, as vast as NASA. (laughs) It's weird. But one day he comes across a beautiful girl named Tsukasa, and he immediately falls in love. And a little bit afterwards, they get married. And that's the beginning of the story. And literally the rest of the story is about their married life. Very unusual for a Shonen Sunday rom-com for the main characters to get married very early on and the story to focus on their married life. Yeah, like, a little tidbit about the series is that Kendra Hata got married around the same time that he started the series. Oh, wow. So, I think one of the mangakas, um, who also used to work in Sunday, joked that Hata's literally just basing it all on his married life. Yeah, very informed by his own experiences, (laughs) no doubt. Kind of reminds me of Makoyo Ano's insufficient direction about her married life with uh, Ano. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, insanely adorable, insanely cute. I'm really happy we didn't have to wait for Hayate to be done in 10 years for it to get licensed, because it's... Yeah, I know. It's amazing. (laughs) It's a well-deserved pickup. Indeed. And... I do wonder, are they going to change NASA's name? I mean, the editor of the series joked on Twitter, oh, I wonder how they're going to do NASA's name. Are they going to have to change it? 
I mean, does it matter? <laughs> I think changing a name does matter. Well, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to, like, Viz to change it, because I don't think him being called Nass is a big deal. Me neither, uh, but it is pretty funny that, you know, the main character is called NASA. But on the subject of other Shonen Sunday manga that are coming out this fall, they are continuing the Rumiko Resurgence, another dip into the Rumiko world with a Mermaid Saga Collectors Edition series. They're going to be doing this in two hardcover volumes, and that's going to come out on print and digital this fall. Very exciting to see a lot of excitement I have seen from people about this. I love the Mermaid Saga as well, and it's cool to see this back in print, and now with this... This returning, we really only need One Pond Gospel and the Wumic World Anthologies back in print for all of Takahashi's classic manga to be made available again. So I'm very, very excited about that. And then once we're done with all of those, then we can finally get Mal licensed. Maybe, or who knows? I mean, they're going to do, be doing four Takahashi's at the same time come this fall. What's another one or two more? Why not do six at the same time? Who knows? It seems Takahashi is back in a big way. So the more the better, I say. But I mean, speaking of works by big authors and classic manga continuing, we've got a new Revolutionary Girl manga. Revolutionary Girl After the Revolution coming out. These is going to be a compilation of the last couple of one-shots that have been put out for the series these last couple of years. And, of course, they are drawn by the original manga creator B. Papas and Chiyosato. That's also real cool. And we've got new work from Naoki Urasawa. Sneeze, a short story collection from him. That's coming out in the fall. we got a new Junji Ito manga, Remina. Which is also coming out in the fall. And actually, Junji Ito included a note along with this license announcement. Where it reads, Hello, I'm Junji Ito. I have something urgent to tell you. A horrifying planet beyond the stars is fast approaching. But don't be scared. It's just about manga. My work, Remina, is coming winter 2020 to English audiences. Remina is my take on sci-fi. And I look forward to sharing the story with you soon. Thank you to everyone for supporting my work. So, really cool. It seems like it's going to be a horror sci-fi series from Junji Ito. Very, very exciting. Also very exciting is a series that has been talked up a lot in the last couple of years. It's Moriarty the Patriot, also coming to print and digital this fall by Ryosuke Takeuchi and Ikaru Miyoshi about, of course, Moriarty from the Sherlock lore fame. Sherlock Holmes is like main nemesis. And so this is like a manga take on that. Um, and it looks like, it looks like this runs and jumps square, I believe. Indeed. And it has a TV anime that is in the works. Yeah, so I, I wonder if Viz eventually will just pick this up for a simul-publish and maybe put it on the Shonen Jump vault, maybe. I don't know. This could be a potential vault edition, since it is a part of the Jump family. Yeah, because I think this is a newer series. Uh, it started back in 2016, so they might have a bit to work up to. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did what they did with, you know, Twin Star Exorcist, where it's like, as soon as a new arc starts, we're going we're gonna to start publishing it. Yeah, I mean, in Twin Star Exorcist's case, it also is kind of like a soft reset since, like, new status quo, reintroducing characters and stuff. But yeah, we could see this simul published too. 
especially since it is a square title. But speaking of other things belonging to the Jump family, we also have a new art book of Tokyo Ghoul, Tokyo Ghoul RE Illustrations. That'll also be out this fall. So if you want to see some more great, fantastic Tokyo Ghoul art, that art book is definitely something to be on the lookout for and pick up. And that was basically the entire collection of new licenses that was recently announced. And a really great selection that has something that will appeal to just about anyone. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really glad they're picking up more Sunday stuff with the addition of uh, Fly Me to the Moon. I definitely want to definitely wanna give that a check out. I'm probably going to collect the first volume of Chainsaw Man in print at this point. I think I need to own that. I think I think that's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, I'm pretty much looking forward to everything else that was, was announced. I'm actually pretty excited for a lot of these. Indeed. But other publishers also made exciting announcements. And speaking of, like, deluxe hardcover editions, Dark Horse is, uh, announced another really cool one. Oh, yeah. So, uh, Dark Horse previously announced and has started releasing, you know, their Berserk hardcover 3-in-1 editions. And it looks like now they're doing the same thing with, uh, with the original Helsing manga from, uh, from Kota Hirano. And uh, Dark Horse Comics has confirmed that uh, they will be releasing the first volume of their hardcover edition on July 14th, with that first volume being available through Dark Horse's uh, official website before on uh, July 1st. So if you want to pick it up even earlier, uh, you can go there. And uh, according to Dark Horse, uh, the deluxe edition of Helsing uh, will mark the first release of the manga in its original 7x10 serialized format, and that the edition includes, quote-unquote, an embossed casing, sewn binding, and ribbon marker. Um, probably to represent uh, a Bible sort of uh, a release there. A sort of Bible feel, I would say. Uh, the deluxe edition will have uh, three volumes overall, it looks like. And that the first hardcover volume will be uh, 696 pages. And will complete the manga's first four original volumes. Uh, the third hardcover volume will have a bonus section that will include three crossfire side stories, thus making all three releases at about uh, about equal in length. So that is a lot per volume. I'm not exactly sure how long the original uh, Helsing was in its like original volume releases, but uh, it doesn't look like it's going to take a lot to uh, release the entirety of the series in, uh, uh, in this edition. Um, I've actually never read the original Helsing manga. Actually, no, yeah. I actually, no, I take that back. I did, I did try to read it back in, uh, what was it? Middle school, high school. I know my, my school library had a couple volumes and I read through it. Weirdly enough, I was actually kind of turned off by the violence. I'm not sure what it was. Hmm. I, I'm not sure what it was. Maybe I was just a big prude back then. Cause like, I, look, I, you ask me now, I love me some hyper-violence. Um, I don't know, there's something about it just turned me off, but, like, it's something that, like, I need to try again. I feel like I would enjoy a lot more as an adult, weirdly enough, maybe. Um, I don't know, I I haven't dabbled in a lot of Helsing other than maybe, like, Team Four Stars Helsing a Bridge, which is pretty am amazingly hilarious, but, uh, yeah, I need to actually, like, sit down and read Helsing, and this might be my way to do it. I hate Rad Helsing back in the day, so I am looking forward to revisiting the series and these hardcover editions. 
All right, but uh, just to move on to our next license, we have something from uh, from Yen Press that was announced recently, uh, and that is the manga adaptation of uh, Fiance of the Wizard. Masaki Kazuka is the artist of the series, and the original novelists were Suri Nakamura and Keiko Sakana. And uh, Yen Press is planning on releasing uh, the manga edition uh, both in print and digitally uh, this July. And uh, just to kind of read the synopsis here real quick, it's a short one. Uh, When a woman is reborn into a world of swords and sorcery as a young girl, her new life takes a turn for the fantastic as she meets an impossibly handsome yet surly son of a wizard. A future of magic, adventure, and romance awaits. And, uh, you know, just kind of judging from uh, from the cover of the first volume here, it, it looks like something I'd check out. Seems like it could be a, a fun, cute adventure romance kind of series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely looks very cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much else to say about that, so we might as well just move on to the rest of our licenses. Lum, if you want to take those away. Yeah, the Seven Seas has licensed some... Um... New Yuri manga. They have licensed some new series from Akiko Morishima in particular. The Conditions of Paradise Are First Time and The Conditions of Paradise Azure Dream. In the first of these, Our First Time, it's a collection of manga tales about multiple lesbian couples where time turns back to when love was new and how things led to how they are today. In Azure Dream, it's another collection of stories about adult women balancing work, life, and their love for each other. Akiko Morishima is best known as the artist of the Yuri Bear Storm manga and Hanjuku Joshi and is known for her long history in Yuri. So it's cool to see more Akiko Morishima manga being brought up by Seven Seas. And we also have a new J Novel Club license, The Extraordinary, The Ordinary, and SOAP in all caps by Nao Wakasa in ICA. The first part of this is already available to read on the publisher's website, and you can buy both parts digitally as well. And the story of this is basically about a laundry maid named Lucia Arca who has a unique magical power, which is basically soap. She creates soap bubbles that can remove stains, but she learns one day that she can use this soap to calm and stop raging monsters, and so the king decrees that she must join the sacred maiden and her companions on a quest to, like, cleanse the land and save the world. So she joins the party of the maiden, a dragon slayer, a prodigy magician, and other great heroes, and, you know, she's just a laundry maid, a part of this group, but she learns that, you know, even an ordinary person like her, supposedly, can be quite extraordinary. So it's a heartwarming romantic comedy featuring an ordinary but earnest heroine. So this series is available to read already on Jane Abelka's website, and yeah, check it out. All right, but I think that's about it for serialization news, or uh, licensing news, I should say. That indeed it is, and now we will go into some industry talk and some wrap-up stuff. First, let's just do a quick update on how manga has been doing in the market. And actually, it's moving quite well because digital sales are up in Japan almost 30% in 2019. And this is, comes from the All Japan Magazine Book Publishers and Editors Association, AJPEA. 
where they published their latest report on the publishing industry in Japan in 2019. And the overall publishing market was up 0.2% for the year, which was earning about $14.12 billion. And 2019 is notable as the first year that the overall publishing market saw an increase. The print market was down 4.3%, but the digital market was up 23.9%. The print market... In particular, sold $11.331 billion, while the digital publishing market sold about $2.81 billion. And this compares to when in 2015, this is like a doubling of digital publishing sales. Back in uh, 2018, it only made up 16.1% of the market, but now it's making up 19.9% of the market. So print sales have continued to decline as they have for the past 15 or so years. But print manga sales actually rose 4% in 2019. And this is being attributed to like major publishers rising prices in the summer of 2018 and breakout hits, you know, just doing really well, like Demon Slayer. But yes, digital sales for manga, and this includes manga magazines, that did raise 29.5% in 2019. It earned about $2.37 billion and makes up about 84.4% of the overall digital publishing market. So this includes like other books as well, like prose books. So digital manga is like really leading the way in digital book sales, basically. And yeah, it's being said that the closure of piracy stars, particularly Manga Mura, really helped out uh, with this increase in sales. And other things we're doing is that digital magazine sales fell about 16.7%, while digital book publishing rose 8.7%. And in particular, sales of light novels, uh, business books, and photo collections are growing. So, yeah, it seems things are looking good for the publishing market. We're seeing an overall trend of growth. Less so on the print side, but digital is more than making up for it. And leading the pack are digital manga sales. And hey, I mean, when you kill piracy enough, it it seems like it helps sales. It's been proven. Yep, digital comics have a lot of power. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, But you mentioned Demon Slayer, uh, which I think should take us into our next bit of news here. Yes, Demon Slayer recently broke a lot of records. One of the notable ones was that 10 different volumes of Demon Slayer occupied all the top 10 positions of Oricon's weekly manga chart in print for the week of January 27th to February 2nd. And that is the first time since Oricon began posting rankings in 2008 that a single volume series occupied the entire top 10. Wow. The top selling volumes that week in particular were the 8th, 7th, 17th, 1st, 9th, 10th, 12th, 11th, 2nd, and 14th volumes. And the 8th volume in particular sold 148,000 copies that week. And it, it doesn't even stop there because the manga also claimed the 11th to 18th spot. So it almost entirely swept the top 20. <laughs> wow. So... And just and just think, like, not even One Piece has ever done this kind of thing. At least not as far as I know. Mm-hmm. But even more impressive is that Oricon estimated that the franchise as a whole earned about $11.19 million that week alone. Wow. I mean, that doesn't just include manga. It also includes other publications, CDs, Blu-rays, DVDs. But that is 
kind of insane to think the franchise earned that much in a single week. That is really, really impressive. But also very impressive is another record Demon Slayer broke in that it is the third manga to sell over 1 million copies of one volume in one week. The 19th volume of Demon Slayer broke this record by selling 1.378 million copies, ranking number one on Oricon's weekly print sales chart for the week of February 3rd through the 9th. And yes, this is only the third series to have ever done this, to ever have a single volume sell more than 1 million copies in the first week. And this is after One Piece, which has done it 45 times, and Attack on Titan, which has only done it twice. And the last volume, of course, to sell over a million copies in one week was the last volume of One Piece that released in October. But this is also really impressive as the second consecutive week that Demon Slayer has topped the ranking. And, you know, again, it is only the third series ever in Oricon's history to sell over a million copies in one week. And it is also the second consecutive week that the series occupied the entire top 10 of the Oricon sales chart. So, yeah, Demon Slayer continues to dominate in the market. And this brings us to an interesting comment that Weekly Shonen Jump editor-in-chief Hiroyuki Nakano discussed in a recent interview with Nikkei Entertainment Magazine about current trends of manga. And they discussed there, you know, Demon Slayer's meteoric success in 2019. And basically, it's interesting that the observation is that Demon Slayer sales shot up after the anime ended, so it indicated that a large number of people like was watching the anime through streaming services after it ended rather than weekly, but also that watching the anime after it ended, that really encouraged people to seek out the manga to continue the story. But Nakano also mentioned that these days, and this is like the most interesting comic, that it takes more time for manga series and jump to become a hit. Demon Slayer began serialization in 2016, but it wasn't until 2019 that it really became a hit. And this is because, you know, there's so many different ways to find entertainment. There's so much more entertainment out there. So even though something runs in jump, that doesn't necessarily, you know, guarantee it becomes a hit. So Demon Slayer's success really hinged on word of mouth before the anime and even after the anime's run. And Nakoto said that they continue to rely on the reader surveys to gauge the interest in new titles. They have a system of valuing new blood to produce cutting-edge manga. And having global hits is a really good boom for the magazine because it gives newcomers a distinct goal to drive for. And so Nakano says that Jump right now doesn't have enough new hits. You know, Chainsaw Man and are titles that he has high expectations for, but they are still very desperate to create, like, the next big thing. So we will see if... Any recent series break out the same way Demon Slayer does? Oh man, you know I'm. It's it's comments like that that really make me like kind of afraid of what's going to happen after One Piece ends. I'm not too worried. I think they will still survive, but maybe they just won't dominate as much as they used to. But that about does it for all this talk of some manga publishing statistics, but. On the subject of statistics, why not now head into our discussion of the results of the latest Manga Maverick survey? Yeah, let's do it.
It's that time of the year again where we survey the planet in our Manga Mavericks annual podcast survey! We always do this every year in which we ask you guys to let us know what your favorite episodes, favorite guests, favorite moments, and more from the podcast were from the previous year. And we use your suggestions, your comments, your recommendations to inform what we do with the show in the following year. And we've gotten a lot of great feedback. We've got a lot of great information to work off of. And I'm looking forward to digging into all of this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so am I. And uh, yeah, I guess we should probably just get started. Yeah, I will say that I'm a little sad we got less responses than we did last year. I think this is mostly attributable to the fact that we didn't release as many podcasts in January, so we didn't have any as many chances to promote it to the podcast-only audience, those who don't follow us on social media. But we still got a lot of great responses. We got almost as many as we did last year, so... I'm really happy about that. And I also want to really thank everyone who took the survey this year, especially because all of you have been entered into our special giveaway contest. And by now, I'll have contacted the three winners of the contest uh, that they have won and asked them what book they'd like to receive and ship out. And hopefully, by the time you listen to this, it might even be in your hands. So... Uh, congrats to all the winners, and I'm hoping that you'll enjoy the books. You could never go wrong with free manga. <laughs> also, hi, I'm here. Oh, yes, Wheelord is also here, too, as one of the regular hosts of Mario Merrick's Ad Movies, though you kind of skimped out on your duty last year. But you're also here to provide valuable statistical expertise. You're our Greg Turkington to our Tim Heidecker. Well, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't think I get that reference. You saw Mr. America. Oh, okay. Um, when you need to watch more on cinema. Yeah, I've never watched on cinema. You need to actually watch the show. Don't be like Tim who never watches the movies. <sighs> oh, God. But anyway, you work in data analytics, so you can provide us with all sorts of expertise, like how pie charts are the most useless way of aggregating information, apparently. <laughs> yes, they, they are. And can you explain why? So the logic behind it is that when you look at a pie chart... You're, you can't really exactly gauge how much, like, value each category has, um, on, like, a very, like, exact level, um, without having them labeled. So, like, let's say you have a bar graph or something, and that just has a scale or something. That will actually give you more accurate information than a pie chart. This is also why Survey Plan, if you notice, locks out all the other graph, graph-like, uh, types besides pie charts. Because pie charts are the most useless graph. So they're giving you the most useless graph to work with on the free version. On my end, I do appreciate the visual of the pie chart, though. And they at least give you the percentages. So you can still extract some useful data, I feel. Yeah, I mean, like, it looks pretty. But <laughs> if you're, go- if you're like, showing this, like, your average, like business person they'd probably think it's fine but if you show it to someone who actually like does a lot of data work then they'll be like why are you using a pie chart that's dumb don't don't use a pie chart 
That's baby stuff. But at least we got enough responses to have meaningful data this year, right, we Lord? Yeah, I mean, like, the general rule of thumb in, like, statistics is that, like, a sample size of, like, I think 30 is statistically significant. Technically, the number itself is arbitrary, but in concept, like, obviously, the more responses you have, the more of a accurate distribution you have. So, yeah, I mean, we're still at a high enough number where, like, you can get, like, some reasonable inferences from the data. Mm, well, that's good anyway. Mm-hmm. So this is a good sample size of our core audience that we can refer to and make some reasonable inferences. Mm. Yeah, for sure. And let's start off with our first question, which asks how old our average listeners are. And the majority, over 50%, are between the age range of 25 to 34 years old. Which makes sense, considering we're about that age range, too. I mean, not you, Wee Lord, you young son of a gun, but... I'm just slightly under there. Yeah, we're in the other highest range, the 18 to 24 year range. I mean, I'm in there, too, but that is the second highest percentage with about 36%. And a very negligible amount of listeners are under 18 or above 35. But it makes sense, I mean, that it'd be in this age range, considering the topics we talk about and the perspective we talk about them with. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, Kind of interesting how compared to um, comparing to last year's data where uh, where uh, 52% of our listenership was uh, uh, was between the ages of 18 to 24. Yeah, it's actually interesting because the amount of the audience is basically reverse of last year in, in terms of like their average ages because over 50% was between 18 and 24 last year and this year the 25 to 34 range is 50% and then the other category is the 36% so it's kind of interesting that there was that flip perhaps as we got new listeners this year maybe that skewed things to the older demo. Also, our audience could have just grown into that older demo. That's That's what I was thinking, too, yeah. But let's ask what the general gender of our audience, and the vast majority are male, it appears, 64%, and we have a 18% identify as female, and then we have a few gender non-conforming folks making up the remainder of the chart, about 20%. And I would definitely like to eventually make sure that we're a little more inclusive and hopefully reaching a broad audience, equally appealing to both male and female and gender non-conforming listeners. But this does line up with how things were last year a little bit, actually. We were doing a little better, but that was probably because we did not have as many categories for gender non-conforming folks. So last year, we had still had, though, over a majority male listenership, and then somewhat uh, significantly more of a female listenership took the poll, but that's also because we didn't have the other categories, perhaps. 
But that's still interesting information. Now let's go into where most of our listenership lives. And the vast majority of almost 70% do live in the U.S., which is not terribly surprising considering we are also based in the U.S. And besides that, we have a significant Italian listenership. Uh, uh, that's... The most responses from other countries came from Italy, even more so than the UK. Uh, and I based all my suggestions of, like, uh, countries in the survey based on previous responses of where people said they were. So it is quite interesting uh, to see where people came from and then uh, what was not chosen, even. So... There are some other places not that I did not have listed as options where people uh, wrote in that they were from Germany, Finland, yeah, actually two responses from India. So I'll have to put that as an option, I think, on the next uh, year's poll for sure. Next, we asked where people follow us on social media and the vast majority, two thirds of the audience, follow us on Twitter. And then uh, about 20% follow us on YouTube. And then there's a good chunk of our audience who doesn't actually follow us on uh, social media. It's also significant that no one responded that they follow us on Tumblr. Which I really do feel Tumblr died uh, when they tried to get rid of all the porn and then no one's, everyone stopped using it. Yeah, so because <laughs> even last year we had people who said they followed us on Tumblr, but not this year. I was gonna say, and even and even last year, it doesn't seem it it didn't seem like too many people, at least out of who took the survey, didn't already follow us on Tumblr. Yeah, I mean, certainly a very small amount compared to who follow us on Twitter, like one thirteenth, one thirteenth as much. But our people on the subject of YouTube, uh, we also asked our people to subscribe to our YouTube channel. And we got about the same number of people who said they do from the previous year to this year in terms of uh, the actual number. And the percentage-wise, it's about 40%. 60% don't follow us on YouTube, but that also is in line with how many people said they did in uh, last year, too. And... With YouTube, I really gotta get back on uploading our stuff on there. It's been a few months now, so hopefully this year I'll catch us up on all the podcasts that have yet to be posted on YouTube, since a significant amount of people do follow us and listen to our stuff on there. And I know that people did say that they appreciate that we upload the uh, episodes in chunks instead of like uh, a lot of times the full multi hour long stuff so i'll definitely uh have to get back on that but on the subject of where people listen to our podcasts it's basically a tie of 20 percent of our respondents saying they listen to us on youtube spotify and apple podcasts and then uh, a little bit behind that is all comic with about 16 percent of uh, survey takers saying they listen to us on there. And then a few was thrown in for Podbean and Player FM. In terms of other places that people wrote in they listen to us, so there's Podcast Addict, there's Overcast, 
Uh, one person wrote in, I don't, which is funny. Uh, the Google Podcast app, Patreon. And yeah, so those are places people uh, listen to us elsewhere. So I may include those as suggestions uh, next year. But next we asked uh, when people started listening to our podcasts. And basically, the majority of survey takers said that they started listening to us last year. Over 56% of survey takers said they started listening to us in 2019. Which is more than double the amount of people who said they started listening to us in 2018, which was just over 25%. Which was more than double of the amount of people who said they listened to us in 2017, which is just over 12.8%. And then, finally, only about 5% of survey takers responded that they listened to us in 2016. So, really, this follows, I guess, a trend of our kind of doubling our audience year to year. That was also a noticeable trend in last year's results, too, is that double the amount of survey takers responded that they had listened to us uh, in a subsequent year. So very, very interesting. Yeah, not to not to jump too far ahead, but we, we did get a lot of comments, or at least a few comments on this year's survey where people were like, oh, I just started listening to the podcast and you guys are great. Keep it up. Yeah, it's great to hear that more people are discovering us and it makes me really happy that we're continuing to reach more people. Next, we asked how often people listen to our podcasts, and about a little over 48% say that they listen to us for just about one or two hours a month, and then after that, 23% they say they listen to us two to four hours a month, Uh, 12.8% say they listen to us four to six hours a month, 10% say six to nine hours a month, and only about 5% said that they listen to us over 10 hours a month. I'm surprised so, that there are people who can listen to a 10 hours a month. Well, honestly, we have had months where we released over 10 hours of content, so it is totally possible. Not to mention, perhaps some people do re-listen to the episodes. But in general, it seems that most people listen to maybe about a podcast worth of our episodes a month in terms of hours. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And it's uh, basically halves from there in terms of how many hours of our podcast people listen to us per month. Mm-hmm. This the, the the amount of people who who only listen to about an hour or two a month. Um, you know that that tells me that like either. You know, because I'm sure we have people who like either listen to just news, just our discussions, or maybe like you know, to, I'm 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 also sure that there are some people who like you know, you know, they don't they don't find everything we talk about as interesting, or like maybe there's a series we talk about that they don't want to listen to yet because maybe they want to read it first. Uh, I know I'm the same way with a lot of podcasts. So mm-hmm. there are definitely people who wrote that they usually only listen when there's a topic that they're really, really interested in. So that also uh, might affect, like, how often they listen. That makes sense. Which is totally valid and totally fair, and I understand, so. Oh, definitely. And these results are fairly in line with the results from last year, too. Mm Mm-hmm, pretty much. Next, we asked about podcast length, and... The vast majority, uh, kind of in line with the previous question of how much of the podcast they listen to per month, the vast majority of respondents 
ideal podcast length is between one to two hours, and that was over 50% of the survey takers uh, responded with this. And then about a third of the survey takers said that they actually prefer podcasts that are an hour or less. And a very few percent say that they prefer podcasts over two hours long. Just about 10, a little over 10%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I, w- I wish, like, I don't know how much we want to get into it, but I think at this point, because we, we, we've been really trying our best to 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 try to keep our podcast as concise as possible, at least. And, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going to help. Uh, I mean, because look, uh, this this next month coming up, we have we have a few really big ones coming up that uh, you know we just we just didn't really have the chance to post last year. What with our Yu Gi Oh and Dragon Ball podcasts, but uh, yeah, honestly, not until the podcast that'll be coming out in April and May will we perhaps see shorter length podcasts. Maybe a couple in March that we have yet to record, but a lot of the ones that we have on backlog at the time of this recording are long and even then like i i don't know in in my mind when it comes to when it comes to the length of like any given episode of the podcast like because because in my mind you know sometimes there are certain series that require more discussion than, than others whether it just be because like certain you know we cover a lot of long series on the podcast already that and like you know sometimes we we have a lot more to say about certain series than others you know and uh, usually those discussions will range to at least two hours, if not three, depending on some series. And then, you know, we, we try to, we try to dedicate, or at the very least, like, I think a good rule of thumb when it comes to like news and stuff is I, I would like, I usually try to say like, Hey, let's, let's try to not go over like an hour, maybe an hour and 15 on news, depending on how much we have. We're, we're always trying to like, we're always trying to like keep news especially like as concise as possible uh you know that uh, like i gotta be honest sometimes that always stresses me out because it's like oh man like we want to cover this much but it's also like we got to keep uh we got to keep track of like how much time we take and i don't know like it it, like it leads me it's led me to the revelation that like really any given podcast is probably going to be about like if we if we did both news and then a discussion at our normal lengths, it'd probably be like a three-hour podcast, like on the normal. And I'm just not sure if that's something we. I don't know if that's a good number we want to stay at, or we want to like shoot for shorter than that, or I don't know. So this may tie in to the next question, where we asked how often people would prefer we release our podcasts, in which over forty-six percent of survey takers. Uh, say that they prefer a weekly, once a week release, and then 28% said that they would like a bi-weekly release, and then oh, about 10% and up said, uh, well, 10% said monthly, and then a very negligible amount said they would like it actually more than once a week. Oh, God. <laughs> Which would be definitely very uh, stressful. Yeah, no. But... A weekly schedule, you know, if we were to divide, uh, like you were saying, hour half news, hour half of a discussion, like, if we could keep, if we could divide that in two, that would only be an hour and a half episodes, and then that would be possible to do weekly if it was split up like that. Less amount to record, 
more frequently it's possible to make releases. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean that that that's what I was kind of thinking too. Is we could we at this point we could easily just go back and forth between our general discussions and then just news episodes at this point. I think the only like the only thing that's kind of keeping me back from doing that is I again like uh, there's only like so much I can uh there's only like so much I can kind of take on to edit like if we wanted to do if we wanted to do like just news episodes like I then I would I would need someone else to like help me edit news episodes uh just be just just be just because our like our discussions like usually range about 2 hours and you know, some sometimes there are some weeks where I'm just kind of busier than others with like life and work, and you know, so cer- certain discussions do take me like two weeks to edit just because, like, you know, be- because of like the length or like maybe we have technical difficulties, and yeah, and and generally, like, I would prefer not to edit a, like a po- like more than one podcast a week. So I don't know. Yeah, we'd split the work between us. I think alternating. Uh, so that would probably be a, a good strategy for that. I mean, it's kind of like what's uh, happening recently with an episode that we're working on, and so I'm editing news while Colton's taking care of the discussion. So in the future, perhaps we could uh, alternate duties like that if we want to f- up the frequency of releases and also keep podcasts shorter. Uh, but it is interesting that uh, compared to last year's respondees, actually, more people last year, about 45%, said they preferred a bi-weekly schedule to a weekly schedule, which is only about half as much uh, last year. So, an interesting uh, difference in uh, what people's preferences were there. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if it's... I, I, I'm sure it's like a combination of people just want more of the podcast to listen to, but maybe at like, maybe at like slightly more normal, normalized chunks, maybe per week. Or if they think maybe like, oh, well, maybe, maybe a weekly schedule would like, you know, stress them out less or something. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, I can't, I can't guarantee that like, we would get to that kind of thing this year, but I mean, like in the future, I think I would like to look into alternating between what kind of podcast we put out every week. Uh, Cause fe- feasibly, I think we could do that. Probably maybe it's, it's something I would like to look into. I think it would definitely be a, a, like a lot less stressful on me in particular. Oh yeah. I think we'll definitely just be a little more mindful of our of how long we record podcasts in general so we don't overstress ourselves because that was definitely a big problem last year is uh recording really long podcasts and then getting kind of burned out and it taking a little longer to release episodes mm-hmm. than we intended no yeah i mean I, that, that was a that was i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly that was part of the reason why we decided like okay if we keep going like this we're not going to be able to get to our all of our fan requests this year which Again, really sucks, but um, we're 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 gonna aim to finish all those this year. Which so far, I think we can do that. So yeah, most definitely. But next, we ask what people's favorite segment of Manga Mavericks is, and perhaps unsurprisingly, the major vast majority, the thirty eight point five percent of respondents said that they like our manga discussions and reviews the best. Uh, behind that, what about 15% of the votes were for our new Shonen Jump slash Monta Plus Simul Pup reviews. 
And then after that, there was about an equal amount of interest, a 7.7% of votes each for interviews and serialization news and licensing news. And then there were also a couple votes thrown to anime movie news and community shoutouts and industry news. Endless. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the majority of people seem to really uh, like and come to us for our manga discussions reviews. That's in line with last year, though not quite as overwhelming the majority <laughs> as last year. Uh, last year, it was about 63.6% of survey takers said that they enjoyed the manga discussions reviews the most. So this year, we actually have uh, so a little more balance, I suppose. Uh, we have some more interest in the other areas. And I guess most interesting is that industry news was the second highest category last year, where it's one of the lower rated categories this year, where uh, the New Shonen Jump Manga Plus simulpub discussions have uh, really uh, kind of enlarged to becoming the second most popular segment. We we may get to this later again, kind of jumping ahead, but I wonder if that's because like there are certain portions of the podcast where I feel like. Uh, I, I feel like are more discussion heavy than others, because uh, I, I do feel like there are times where when it comes to news, you know, whether because we, we don't have as much to say about a certain topic or like we want we're trying to be mindful of our time. We we just don't end up discussing certain news pieces as much as we could or should. And and I and I feel like, unfortunately, like maybe sometimes industry news kind of gets the brunt of that because they're uh I I know I'm, I'm not, I know on my end especially like there are just some times where I like I find I find industry news interesting but I also I also find myself not not having as much to add to the conversation most of the time unfortunately when it comes to like really specific stuff like the restructuring of uh you know Kodansha and the uh, vertical that we discussed uh last time on the podcast yeah, I try my best to prepare whenever we discuss about very important industry news stories. Like with the Kyo Annie story, I wrote out like basically a script of what I was going to say about it uh, to follow. And generally, I try to do my best to prepare and like have my thoughts organized before discussing them on the show. But sometimes when I don't get that time, like it is hard kind of to uh, try and describe a story and then add on like a perspective and a and like a thoughtful opinion on it afterwards. So it's something that I think we can improve on. There are definitely some very important stories that uh, will can always continue to be happening and uh, that are worthy of a uh, good discussion and conversation. So I think this is a, that is an area we could uh, improve on. I mean, yeah, that's the th- that's the thing, right? Like the, the, there are certain pieces that you know, unfortunately, we're we're not we're not always going to have something to say about, but like, it's still, I, I still feel like it's important to report on certain things, though, nonetheless. Yeah, I will note that one person who responded other with this category said that they liked everything. So thank you. And you know what? That's totally fair. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we asked what people's favorite podcast thumbnails were from last year. We had a selection of about 10 thumbnails to choose from, which were like all the ones that I personally drew, plus some that I had edited that did some most transformative uh, Photoshop work that I felt like, okay, this was transformative enough that I feel like, yeah, you could you could definitely appreciate this as like 
uh, on the same level as I don't personally drawn one. So obviously not a minor on there, and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> uh. And I don't think that anyone responded uh, who responded other also said that they uh, said another option that wasn't listed here. One person said that they don't really notice them because they only check out the podcast during their commute break. So probably just on the app uh, in which they wouldn't see it. Since if you don't like visit the website or follow us on Twitter, you probably don't get to see the thumbnails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, which is unfortunate. I I wish there was a way to like do custom thumbnails on podcast episodes on some of these apps. Like uh, I know for our bonus episode on, on Patreon that we posted a little bit ago, uh, with, uh, where we talked with uh, Stefan Koza about the comic uh, again at patreon.com slash manga mavericks um, <laughs> I, I, I did a neat little like a thumbnail for that it didn't take a lot of work but I still thought it looked good enough to where I was like okay I'm going to post this along with the Patreon post and uh, I'm kind of disappointed that I, I can't see that along with the episode but uh, I don't know maybe, maybe one day the, these like these podcast apps will have a customizable thumbnail feature at some point. I don't know. I feel like I've seen it. I know uh, Apple Podcast does it. I think I don't. But I don't think it does. No, like I, I like obviously like you could do you could do like thumbnail. You could do the thumbnail for like the overall podcast feed, but like I don't think you could do it for like any individual episode. I think it's the thing. Oh, uh, okay. But I feel like when I listen to the One Piece podcast, sometimes when they're doing those volume reviews, that's, what, that's pictures, what I was thinking of. Like, yeah. dude, those do sh- pop up when you listen to the episode; they change. I think that's because they just have access to like different, uh, different software than like we do. I think it's the thing. Perhaps yeah. it's something to look into. I should try. I think I think Anchor might have a feature like that, so I should try if I can do anything with that for the Demon Slayer podcast. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, we should definitely experiment with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if if there's a way we can do that, trust me, we'll we'll find we'll find a way. Mm-hmm. On the subject of the thumbnails, uh, pretty much all of them got votes. I think the only one that. Kind of is the odd one out was unfortunately the last Sayuki and Yui Kamiyo thumbnail, which I really enjoy. I mean, I enjoyed all the ones I drew, but I can definitely see and I do feel that the other ones that uh, were stronger visually. But the most popular thumbnail with about the 23% of votes was the thumbnail for The State of Montefiore, episode 100, part one. That is a good one, yeah. And following not too far behind, just one vote behind, really, uh, with about 20% of the votes, was our thumbnail for the Golden Comedy episode. Which uh, was definitely my favorite out of the ones we uh, they, they, I, that you did uh, last year, I should say. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of fun drawing those crazy faces, for sure. I had a lot of fun trying to replicate Noda's art style on that. Uh, following that, though, and third is actually one of the Photoshop thumbnails, the one for Best of Manga 2018. And I do have a lot of fun photoshopping those Best of Manga thumbnails in particular, like trying to dig through the archives and find like really interesting visuals and try to make a nice collage for the thumbnail for that. I personally always look forward to those as well. Um, I think you did a good job on uh, on this year's especially. Thank you. That was also when I got like really into the weeds, like, oh, how many characters in the series can I represent in this? 
That's part of the fun of it, especially. But this is actually uh, tied for third. It was also the thumbnail for the first episode of Lump Squad, which was also nice to do. I, I really liked how I drew Lump. It's a cute drawing. After that, with about 10% of votes, was our thumbnail for the Seven Codes episode, which he really appreciated. He sold me, and uh, I was glad to see such a good response for it. And following that was the Heart Gear and Spy Family episode's thumbnail, which was a crossover art featuring both characters from both those series, which uh, got the attention of the editor for both those series back when that was first released online. And he was like so happy to have fan art from overseas fans. Uh, it made him feel like uh, the series have truly gone global. And that made me really happy to read. Mm-hmm. And then we got a few straggling votes for the rest of the thumbnails as well. And yeah, I mean, I enjoyed all the thumbnails I made and drew last year, and I hope to continue to make a whole lot more. So by the end of the this year and in next year's survey, you'll have more than 10 options to choose from. All right. Yeah, looking forward to more of those, but uh, I guess we can move on to the next one. Yeah, next we... Uh, asked our listeners about their favorite intro or skit from our podcast this year's. And the one that just netched out on top with about 16% of votes was our intro for the We Never Learn episode where Colton arrived late to the podcast. <laughs> I did not think that was going to be the top one, especially for one that like I just, I just kind of did on the fly. <laughs> listeners really responded to it and it was a great bit it was it was it was pretty funny yeah tied for second are the intros for the shaman king episode where i sung the shaman king uh, intro team the four kids one to v lord and maxi's horror oh god and then the comey can't communicate intro in which we like the intro kind of well flowed at the start <laughs> and we kind of rolled with it <laughs> uh yeah that's, that's pretty good but uh, in terms of the other intros, next up with the next percentage of votes, about 10% of votes, was the One Piece Stampede ad movies episode, where I sang One Dream, One Wish. A very simple one, but uh, got a lot of uh, te- uh, votes. People enjoyed that. And after that, we got uh, 8% of votes each for the Banana Fish intro. Which uh, Colton did some really great editing. That's probably my favorite, uh, one of my favorites that was edited because of the ambiance and mood. And then the New York, New York Comic Con song, the New York Comic Con 2019 intro. And then uh, the rambling rhymes that began the Golden Comedy intro. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised Banana Fish didn't didn't get more uh, votes just based because because I, I feel like that's my best edited one. At least, at least compared to the we never learned one, um, but I'm 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 glad he got any votes at all because I'm I'm very proud of that intro. Oftentimes, perhaps not the best edited ones get the attention so much as like the most uh, amusing and simple ones. Yeah, that that's true. Uh, may- maybe that one went kind of long for some people. I know people have very interesting opinions on just skits in general. I guess, um, but that's that's for a whole other. That's for another time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then we also got some votes for the Ghibli Conspiracy intro and the Saint Seiya intro. The, the Saint Seiya speech is also one of my favorites just because I like the enthusiasm. I think Pegasus Fantasy kind of really matched it well. I have fun listening back to that one too. 
But next we go into one of our big, big categories, which is we asked our listeners who their favorite guests on Manga Mavericks this year. And I just want to uh, first say that we really had a lot, a lot of great people this year, and we had on more people this year than we have had in the last three years of the show combined. We had 25 guests on the show this year, 21 of which were new guests. And that is more than double the amount of guests I think we had in the previous years. So I am very happy about that trend that we had so many more new people on. And I'm hoping to continue that trend by inviting more great new people on the show in 2020 and beyond. Yeah, that's a lot of people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And because we had so many more new people, that also kind of affected like the distribution of votes but there was a clear majority winner with almost 20 percent of the votes and that was stefan cosa one of the last guests we had on the show uh last year but our most popular we had a really great interview with stefan we had him on the show again recently for the comic and it's always great to talk with him he's really passionate about manga about translation has great insights to share and I really enjoyed our po- both of the podcasts we've recorded with him so far. Mm-hmm. And he's just a really nice guy, and he actually like in and, and he actually like listens to us and stuff, and and that and that makes me feel all sorts of ways. Um, but no, yeah. Um, honestly, I'm I'm kind of surprised that our our second place winner on the poll didn't uh, didn't just overtake the poll because I know he was a pretty popular guest for a while. Oh, yes. Our second place runner-up is Caleb, and he had about 14% of the votes. And Caleb was definitely, I think, one of our more popular guests on our 100-episode survey. I think he came out on—no, I don't know actually if he beat Bomber on that one. But he was definitely popular on that one. And he's still quite popular. He's our second most popular guest, and he is one of the most popular people in terms of following that we've had on, too. But Caleb was a great person to talk with on the show. I loved our interview with him as well. In general, all the people that we interviewed, there were incredible conversations about their background and back, about their thoughts on manga and art. And Caleb just had a great story about his time with the JET program and how he got into industry and then, you know, making sculpture art and getting included in Usopp's gallery. Like, there are a lot of fun conversations that we had with Caleb and hopefully we'll have him on the show again this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it goes without saying, but yeah, I mean, it. You know, no, no, no matter who's more popular than who with our listeners, like we, we like every, every guest we have listed on our uh, for this question in particular, we we love having on and hope to have on again at some point. Yeah, I mean, I want to have all of our previous guests on the show again. Even, there were some people that we weren't able to have on last year that uh, we had on previous years that I would like to get on the show again uh, soon as well. So. I mean, I really appreciate just everyone for taking time to come on the show and share their experiences and their perspectives with us. Like, it's really awesome and valuable. And yeah, I mean, I, I, I think talking with new people and like having conversations that can go like more in depth thanks to the perspectives of other people is like been very rewarding. Oh, yeah, and for I'm sure. I'm really glad that we've been able to do that with the show more last year by having so many more great new people on. But 
Yeah, and uh, speaking of, like, a great conversation, like, uh, David Brothers comes in at third with about 8% of the votes, actually tied with Morgana, who also got 8% of the votes. And we had Morgana on a lot, a lot last year, too. She was on three podcasts of ours. And oh, wow. Yeah, like, all of them were really great. Like, I really uh, enjoy talking with Morgana about Princess Jellyfish and Piracy and V-Stars, like... Man, I think that uh, Dar Fox and Rihanna really carried the B-Stars episode in particular. It was just like, I enjoyed like sitting back and kind of listening to them share their thoughts on B-Stars, like as they had that back and forth. But yeah, I mean, David Brothers too was such a great interview, our longest interview too. Uh, but we went into a lot of awesome topics on that one. So I was super, super happy with that one. Mm-hmm, for sure. And then we've got a couple people tied with about 5.6% of votes. We have AC, who is on our Lump Squad episode. We have Buggy, who is on the We Never Learn episodes. Uh, Diana, who is on Golden Conway. Grant, who is on our uh, Patreon JoJo's episodes. And Jason Thompson, who was another, you know, incredible, incredible person interviewee. And we recorded uh, the Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast with him that you guys will listen to in a month or two. Uh, that was so awesome to have Jason on twice last year and you know i mean uh, we talked before about like you know jason was a very formative influence uh for me you know getting into manga growing up so like to be able to talk with him about like the early days of the industry and the formation of the english shonen jump was super super awesome Mm -hmm. and hey you know if you haven't listened to our interview with him like go listen to that that's uh I, I think that was one of, like i said that was one of my favorite interviews from last year just just listening to jason talk about his time at Viz and how Shonen Jump, the magazine, got started up here in North America. Uh, we should also mention that uh, Buggy, not just on the We Never Learn podcast, we also had him on our manga piracy discussion. So there's that. Yeah. Another like multi uh, podcast guest from last year alongside Morgana. I think both of them were like on three podcasts uh, last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, pr- from there, pretty much everyone got a vote. And I will say, I guess the most surprising thing, perhaps, is that Bomber and Maxi, who have dominated uh, the most popular guest results in previous years, actually did not uh, dominate this year. They only got about one vote each. So that was actually quite surprising, especially since Bomber was like voted most popular guest in our 100 episode survey. Clearly, they need to up their clout <laughs> using it. <laughs> But again, thank you so much to everyone we had on the show last year and hope to continue to uh, have you on the show again and uh, hope to continue to reach out to more new and awesome people too. Oh, for sure. And now we'll get into one of the big, big ones. Uh, everyone's favorite episode of Manga Mavericks in 2019. And the number one most quoted episode, perhaps uh, unsurprisingly, because it got so much attention, was our State of Piracy episode. What about 15% of the votes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, this this especially had a lot of votes divided up, but uh, I'm not surprised that uh, episode 100, our State of Manga Piracy discussion, far and away, was like our most popular. Well, not 
far and away, yeah. But it actually, it was uh, very significantly popular, but also following up behind with about 10% of the votes was our Lump Squad episode, which goes to tell me that I really need to get out Lump Squad 2 soon and then continue recording more episodes with AC. And then, coming in third with about 7.7% each are our State of Shonen Jump 2019 episode and episode 104, our Beastars episode with the Manga Machinations crew. Both of which were great discussions. Oh, for sure. And then we have like a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5... Well, so with 5% of the votes each, we have a couple coming in after that with our Princess Jellyfish episode, our interview with Jason Thompson... Our Heart Gear and Spy Family episode, our interview with Caleb, our Banana Fish episode, and our interview with Stefan and our Golden Conway episode. Oh, and I missed it, but our Best Among the 2018 episode as well. This is one colorful pie chart. Yeah, so there are definitely a lot of responses. <laughs> and then each with a single vote, just to talk about the stragglers, were our uh, Go Broly Go Go episode 74, where we talked about Dragon Super Broly, our Booty Bat episode, where we interviewed Aiden about the Nyoki Urasawa exhibition. Our Vinaburn Q&A extravaganza. Our interview with David Brothers. Then our New York Comic Con 2019 uh, con report. Our Saint Sea episode. And our episode on Torture Princess, East Into the Night, and The Vertical Board. So yeah, a lot of very diverse choices for favorite episodes. I mean, we released a lot of different episodes last year. Like, we released, I think, there are 36 episodes that are in this, uh, that were listed here. So, yeah, I mean, quite, quite significant. Actually, more than 36. I think it's closer to 39. Yeah, because 100 Part 2, and then Lump Squad and Book Club. So, yeah. 39 options. Oh man, that's 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 definitely that's definitely more than than bi-weekly, that's for sure. Oh, most definitely. And I think that even uh surpasses the amount that was listed for the amount of episodes released in 2018, which would have been about 34, I think. So, yeah. We actually released more episodes uh last year or at least counted in this category or even not count, or even not like officially numbered episodes we still release more of this year but now we'll talk about uh, everyone's favorite episodes of manga maverick Dad movies last year which even though we had caught up on the backlog we didn't end up recording a whole lot of uh new episodes especially as the year went on because we lord kind of went off to la for the summer and then when he came back in the fall, he had school, so it just got more difficult to schedule recordings, yes. especially as you started up DSP, that also kind of <laughs> took away time as well. Please send all your hate mail to VLORGTZ on Twitter. Well, we're going to hopefully start back up a new session of App Movies episodes. I think we're going to try and make sure we cover all the new anime theatrical releases, especially since February and March there are a bunch coming up, so it's a good time to restart a new season of App Movies for this year. That's very true. There's so many anime movies this year. And it's also worth noting that there were a lot of App Movies episodes that I did not release on the public feed, but instead opted to use as bonus pods for the Patreon. So those also, perhaps I'll 
release at uh, least a portion of on the free feed this year because i do especially with the number one most voted uh, episode of that movies from last year i would like to see more people like uh listen to more of those because our number one most uh listened to episode of at movies with 28 percent of the votes was the spider-man into the spider-verse episode which I always love recording with Vix about comic book movies, especially because she has such a wealth of knowledge on comics and all sorts of pop culture media in general. And it's unsurprising to me that's like the most popular episode because of just the amount of depth and insight she could give on like all the references and the origins of all the characters that are in Spider-Verse. <laughs> So, like, it was just an fascinating history lesson in addition to being, you know, a review of the movie itself. Mm-hmm. And similar to that is, like, our Alita, Dragon Ball Super Broly, and Captain Marvel episodes. So, I think that now that they've been on the Patreon for a little while, I'll release, if not the full episodes, excerpts of them on the public feed this year so more people can listen to them because I would like more people to listen to them because there are also really informative and interesting conversations about all those movies. But uh, after that coming in number two with about 18.8% of the votes is our One Piece Stampede review, which is also a big, really fun one. And then uh, tied for third with about 12.5% of the votes each are the best movies of 2018 and then are the Ghibli Conspiracy. And I definitely have said this before, but Ghibli Conspiracy is definitely my favorite if not my favorite podcast overall last year, definitely one of my favorites because it was just so fun to edit and it makes me laugh so much. But yes, I mean, the conspiracy is not over though, of course. I mean, we still have to unfurl it further. We kind of messed up covering the other Ghibli films last year, but they're all coming to HBO Max. And once they do, we lord, we will go through them chronologically and in depth once again unfurl the conspiracy and settle it once and for all. Wait, from the beginning? Yeah, we have to go back. Someone send help. Please. We are the help. We are helping the world be free of Miyazaki's manipulation and brainwashing. And drugs. You forgot about the drugs. Oh, especially the drugs. But on the subject of Ghibli, uh, number four with 9.4% of the votes was the Hell of Blooming Castle episode. And then we also got uh, about uh, 6% of votes thrown in for the Hunter Hunter Last Mission episode, the <laughs> Oscars 2019 predictions, and uh, the I Want You to Pancreas episode. And Vilar, you just uh, really laughed at the Hunter episode. <laughs> I don't even remember a discussion on that, to be honest. Besides, you don't? Okay, besides just making fun of Zushi. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you guys had a really, really good discussion about why no one should ever watch that movie ever. Yeah, it's not, it is such a bad That entire movie oh is Zushi's God. fault. They, they wouldn't be there if it wasn't for Zushi. I mean, you're not wrong. They were literally there to watch Zushi in a tournament. <laughs> the movie wouldn't have happened if it wasn't. We can't Zushi. kill these people. They're Zushi's opponents. <laughs> Uh, yeah uh. and sadly um, I not uh, any votes were given to the Fate Stay Night Heaven's Feel uh, episode which is actually interesting because now we'll go into like the most popular episodes on all comic uh, based on traffic 
And actually, the most popular episode of our podcast last year, Based on Traffic, was the Fate Stand Eyed Heaven's Feel episode of that movies. Uh, significantly, too, because that had over 2,500 views. Wow. And uh, that how significant that number is, uh, that traffic is, uh, should be uh, evident, relevant, uh, considering how many views the number two got, which was Lum Squad Episode 1, which got a, about 744 views. After that, in number three, was our Jason Thompson interview with about 713 views. At number four, we had Act Movies 37, Health Moon Castle, with about 666 views. We Never Learn came in at number five with 610 views. Our uh, interview with Erica, 100 Years Interview with Erica Friedman, came in at number six with 586 views. Jumping into 2019, our first podcast of last year came in with 553 views. Our V Never Learn Q&A extravaganza came in at number 8 with 542 views. Our Hard Care and Spy Family episode came in at number 9 with 509 views. And finally, rounding up our top 10 uh, most viewed episodes on all comic last year uh, is our State of Shonen Jump 2019 episode, which came in with 473 views. Yeah, good, uh, good list of episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. It is still quite surprising to me that uh, the Fate Stay Night episode got like three times as many uh, page views as the number two and below. Maybe someone in the Fate fandom found in like Artita. Perhaps because also the written review I had for that also had a lot of traffic. That had thirty over 3,500 views. And it seemed like people appreciated it because I also cross-posted that review on Letterboxd, and that is my most liked review on Letterboxd as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Nice. So it's a pretty popular episode, but sadly, uh, survey takers did not uh, vote for it as their favorite. But I would say that, again, my favorites would definitely also be the Spider-Verse and Ghibli Conspiracy and stuff. So uh, considering the other episodes, and like all the episodes of movies I thought were really great last year, I could definitely see it. But uh, now we're going to ask people what their favorite moment from the podcast was last year. And I guess on the subject of ad movies, uh, one person did mention that the Spider-Verse episode was, to them, their favorite thing so far. So thank you. We got a few mentions of, um, or I guess one, one or two about uh, about Aiden talking about the Urasawa exhibit. Uh, one of them being from Aiden himself, yes. <laughs> which I thought was nice. And uh, we also even got a few. We we got a few people who were like, you know, the, the, who who loved the uh, the Stefan Koza and Caleb Cook episodes. So that was nice. Um, people really loved the piracy discussion too. We got several people mentioned that they really really appreciated that one. And some other mentions of favorites included uh, the Shaman King intro that I sang, uh, the Lum Squad episode. It was the only thing one survey taker listened to. It seems the the this this one this one caught me off guard where they said that their favorite moment was us talking about Samurai Eight. Uh, it was one of the discussions that stuck with me. Interesting. I'd like to hear more why. I don't remember that discussion particularly as strongly as some other ones that we did. Yeah, especially since, like, I at the time anyway, we were, I think we were as positive about it as, as we could be, uh, even though we, we did have our criticisms of, of the first couple chapters or so. So I don't know. But, yeah, it's interesting. 
I'll have to listen to that and see again what our exact thoughts on it were. But I do think that, I mean, we were definitely the most positive out of all the jump starts in that round. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. That, that was yeah, not a good round. No. no. Uh, it's not surprising that uh, basically all of them are gone now. And uh, Sam Raid, I don't know if that'll be around much yeah, longer. Yeah, probably not much longer. <laughs> uh, but people also, in general, like the translator interviews. They also really enjoyed Caleb's interview. They enjoyed us bringing up Spy Family, and uh, there are a lot of people who say that they don't have a favorite because they like everything, or they there are so many ones to like it's hard to choose just one. So thank you. Some somebody somebody did mention uh, that they liked it when Lum yells. Yes, uh, I'm glad people appreciate that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I guess we should probably get to our next question then. Yes, next we asked, like, what kind of bonus pods would people like to see more of on our Patreon? And the majority, the 30% of the votes, were for more book club episodes. So they are in luck because uh, they Colton is going to be doing a Saint Seiya book club reads through for this year on Patreon. Oh, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, look forward to the first episode of that on our Patreon on Saturday the 29th on, uh, on patreon.com slash manga mavericks. I'm looking forward to it for sure. And if you want to, again, we have that same Sia episode too with uh, Shane and Garrity and Dr. Marmoroto to listen as a prep just for, if you want a refresher on uh, same Sia goodness and some insights onto the production of same Sia on English localization side. Uh, but what, what about, what about some of the other choices on the poll? The second most uh, voted on uh, request was for more interviews as Patreon bonus pods, in which I would, I mean, I want to conduct more interviews in general, but I feel like until we grow our audience a little bit more, I would like to do those more publicly just so more people can listen to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think we made the right call with some, some of the con interviews that you did for, uh, for New York Comic Con. Or or anime NYC actually I should say um, I think I think you made the right call with making like our portions of those interviews public and then like the like the rest of them Patreon exclusive I, I think that was a good call and 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 in general I think like con interviews in particular I think would make a good Patreon bonus uh, uh Patreon bonus content thing words yeah. And then after that, in third, there was like an equal number of votes, uh, 12% each for manga fights, more manga website movies, and series reviews slash retrospectives. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would like to do all of those things. I get more in the future as well. When was the last manga fight anyway? Oh boy. It's been, you know, it's been years since we actually recorded one. Uh, yeah, so it has. we probably should get back on that at some point once we find some time. Yeah, I think manga fights would be would be a good idea. Um, series reviews. I mean, we did the comic. We did, yeah. Like, I think I think in terms of like series reviews, we do for the Patreon. I think I want to personally. I would like to keep those to like shorter works that I know we wouldn't be able to like make like 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 a like a like a full podcast out of like the like like like, like the comic as much as we as much as we liked reading it i think uh I, th- I think an hour is about how is about how much we could spend on the comic you know without running out of things to talk about uh i mean again not not that it wasn't good but it was just like it's it was just it was it was very straightforward but it was it was still a really good discussion though i don't want to 
you know, I don't want to downplay it because I really did enjoy discussing it. But uh, I think maybe like shorter stuff we could probably save for the Patreon. Possibly, I, I already, I already have an idea or two about like some other stuff. Maybe we could explore. Maybe put up on the Patreon as like a mini bonus podcast thing or something. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we have about nine percent of votes for topic discussions and six uh, percent of votes for anime watchers, which is actually something that we had really been considering because there was definitely one or two that we had in mind that we'd like to do perhaps we may still in the future i was thinking like uh, like we could if not watch throughs like i was thinking like uh depending on what we're interested in like we could we could watch certain anime and like dedicate discussions on certain anime and maybe just post those up on the patreon like I think I think I had an idea at one point that we could like that we could maybe talk about the Demon Slayer anime, but like we just never really. I don't. I don't think it, it, we just never really got around to it. Well, you know, Colton, uh, there is a podcast for that, <laughs> isn't that right, Vlor? That's true. Huh? There is. I wouldn't have guessed. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's true. I wonder what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I think would be interesting to do maybe even would be a good time uh, saving thing would be like I would maybe uh, doing podcasts and kind of the talking Simpsons what a cartoon star where we pick like an episode of one of our favorite shows that we really want to talk about and kind of go into our feelings and history on the series and then like go into the episode specifically and why it's significant to us that'd be really cool I wouldn't I wouldn't mind trying something like that um Though there, there, there are there are certain anime that like I kind of have in mind that like I would love to do an entire watch through of just to like just to like finally go through it because they're I won't name them just in case we end up doing them but like there are certain anime that like I would like to watch but like I know that like I I would I'm never I'm never gonna get to them unless I podcast about them. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of series that I've never finished because it's hard to get the motivation to watch something without, like, some utter impetus to, especially if it's, like, something that's very long. This is me with every anime now. <laughs> but I, I think I think anime watchthroughs, as much as I would like to do them, I think, I think we're probably going to save them for until we get to uh certain goals on our patreon before we actually even think about starting to do those because if, if we if we do do those as well that we're gonna i would personally like to put like more prep time into those maybe maybe have like a backlog uh ahead of time so that way we that way we're not too bogged down with uh you know bogged down with that plus all the other things we need to work on and edit and everything but but it, but it is something i would like to do at some point definitely and now we can go on to a question that we asked our survey takers of what their favorite manga published in 2019 were. And so there were a lot of common responses. Some of the ones that stuck out to me were Cats of the Louvre by Tayo Matsumoto, Spy Family, Witch Hat Atelier, and Drifting Dragons, and Chainsaw Man. And uh, yeah, those are like... Some of the most common ones. Oh, with the White House Husband and Beastars 2 got a lot of attention. A lot of people mentioned those. And then there were some interesting stragglers. Well, you know, one of the most spy family I want to mention is Wensleydale. Like, I, I know it's Wensleydale just because of uh, his email. And it's like, I mean, they did an entire wall of text that was just spy family, spy family, spy family, spy family, spy family, spy family. 
which was really funny. Yeah, that was that was pretty good. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, there are also some interesting uh, votes thrown in for a series like Ultraman, Wodakoi, Jujutsu Kaisen, Komi Can't Communicate, Bunko Stray Dogs, Volume Two in particular, which is interesting. Uh, some love thrown with the way of Mitama, which is interesting, and Ten Dance. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen, Double Taisei, someone mentioned, Our Dreams at Dusk, Black Torch, Hard Gear. Uh, this person specifically mentioned that they really liked character design and story of both of those series. A vote for Demon Slayer, that'll make you happy, V-Lord. And Dr. Stone, uh, one person mentioned Asadora, but it's not licensed. And then there's Kaiji, Yurusei Yatsura. My Hero Academia, and another one, don't make V-Lord happy, Hinamaru Sumo. Hooray. Thank you, people who like Demon Slayer and Hinamaru. Oh, I, I, just, I just assumed Hinamaru Sumo was, like, V-Lord's answer. <laughs> no, I actually did not take the survey this year. I forgot. <laughs> I, I, we know the person who did uh, vote for Hinamaru Sumo. It's someone that you know, too. Marion? No. I don't know who it is, though. Allison. Oh. Oh. That's surprising. Yeah, but yeah, a lot of really in- interesting responses, a lot of good series, which had out there definitely caught my eye and actually started reading it, and uh, I'm really enjoying it so far. So yeah, some really cool uh, recommendations too. And uh, Katza Louvre, you reviewed for all comics. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised uh, two people mentioned that. I mean, like, it's Tao Matsumoto, obviously, but like, I feel like it didn't get a lot of attention. Well, it is a Taiya Matsumoto manga, so it's Perhaps not like mainstream, mainstream in terms of conversation, but you know, Taya Matsumo is a very beloved author, so their works are like you know discussed in a, a lot of like hardcore manga circles. So yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend reading it. And uh, Minovsky article even helped promote it for Viz. Yeah. So, yeah. Next, we asked uh, what people felt were the most important anime and manga news stories of last year and a lot of people mentioned manga plus launching the Wiz Shonen Jump app eliminating the gap between releases there was a lot of talk about you know piracy sites shutting down a lot of people mentioned like licenses like ping pong getting licensed or Square Enix publishing manga in English and then uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Spy Family uh, way of the house husband, Komi can't communicate, or Zayatsura, uh, stuff like that. I mean, uh, yeah, Manga Stream and Gemini, again, on top of uh, piracy, you know, Manga Stream and Gemini's box, you know, ceasing, and uh, uh, the Manga Plus launching is a big deal too. People mentioned Jujutsu Kaisen getting an anime was a big deal for them, and uh, yeah, but of course, like the kind of one of the ones they got the most responses and perhaps one of the overwhelming kind of looming stories of last year is the tragedy of the Kyoto Animation Fire. So that was definitely one of the most important stories of last year because of the effect it had on the industry and like the human cost of that as well. Uh, but there were also some other straggling or uh, interesting choices mentioned, like the story about women not being able to become editors just because, quote unquote, they don't understand the hearts of boys. Uh, which that was actually mentioned by uh, Wensleydale, and Wensleydale actually went into that in depth in a great way in their recently cross account video, which I highly recommend. Mm-hmm, for sure. 
And I think that basically covers the bases. Someone mentioned that they liked every news related to upcoming anime movies. And someone mentioned that they appreciated that a lot of interesting manga was published, uh, you know, this year that had been published a long time ago in Japan. And they also thought it was a big deal that Attack and Titan's global circulation top 10 million. And the inner workings of Wit Studio and the Guy Knight controversy also got a mention. And I think that basically covers all the bases. Uh, and overall, I do think like uh, the Manga Plus Weekly Shonen Jump news, the shutdown of piracy sites in the journal piracy discussion, Jujutsu Kaisen getting anime, and the Kill Any Fire were like the most mentioned uh, news stories that stuck out to people last year. And uh, I guess Ping Pong getting licensed too, because that was also mentioned more than once. Next, uh, we asked our listeners what content they'd like to see from us in 2020. Uh, we definitely got a lot of uh, requests for more manga reviews. <laughs> and uh, uh, m- more than a few people said, more manga. <laughs> so yeah. your, your, uh, your requests have been duly noted. Well, and there's also some uh, recommendations that do kind of conflict with each other. Like, some people want us to discuss more Shonen Jump stuff. Some people want us to discuss less Shonen Jump stuff. And my 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 take on that is, as, like, I agree with Lum that, like, I, I do want to, like, step outside. I, I say our comfort zone. I'm just going to say my comfort zone because, like, I, I admit, I, I read a lot of Shonen manga because that's just kind of what I end up reading a lot of, especially Jump stuff, because I love Shonen Jump, and Lum does too. We both are huge fans of Shonen Jump, and we're never going to stop covering Shonen Jump stuff, but I do I do recognize that, like, you know, there are times where we could be better about covering stuff outside of the Jump label, and uh, I, I, think, I think this year... Or I should say, last year, twenty nineteen in particular, I thought we, I thought we did a good job of covering stuff outside of Jump. Uh, but I, I, I'm totally aware that like we could still do better. Um, but again, like for 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 people who like don't want us to cover Jump stuff at all, uh, I'm sure there are people out there. I'm just gonna say I'm sorry. We're we like Shonen Jump, and we're we're gonna keep covering Shonen Jump stuff. We're never gonna like stop completely. So. Definitely, but uh, I do think that last year was a good step in the right direction for us. I mean, we finally covered Shoujo Manga last year, which was long overdue, and hopefully we will continue to cover a lot more different kinds of series this year in terms of Shoujo, Jose, BL, and Yuri titles. We definitely have a lot planned, and uh, I'm looking forward to those reviews, and I'm also looking forward to having more guests on. There were also a lot of recommendations to have uh, just more people on in general, and then, of course, more diverse guests, and I think that this, the guests that we had on last year were really diverse and, like, uh, really cool, and I hope to have, like, more awesome, cool people, too. And there was especially, like, a call for having uh, more translators on, but we'll get that into that more, I think, in uh, the next question, which asks about guests specifically. But there were also a lot of people who really uh, liked our party edition and would like us to expand on that with another follow-up uh, talk on manga piracy. And uh, there's also people who would like us to kind of discuss like some less popular works or authors. People were also saying that 
that sometimes uh, they're interested in not necessarily like a full series review, but maybe just a review based off a couple volumes. Uh, they want like a, yeah more in depth things on uh, certain mangaka, like kind of those mangaka spice like that we had done uh, for Yusei Matsui. And uh, retrospectives on lesser-known Shonen Jump series, more BL manga, uh, recommendation for quicker releases of interviews and reviews. We kind of went into that earlier about maybe uh, balancing out, like, length of uh, episodes and then the editing duties. Uh, talking about more licensing content... And uh, in terms of Mangaka Spotlights, people, uh, one person recommended Inu Asano, which, yeah, he's a really fascinating author. Definitely would like to uh, go into his work at some point. Yeah, his work is definitely on my list in particular, yeah. A recommendations to cover Drifting Dragons or finally release Lone Squad 2, which uh, I'm working on. I, I hope to have that done. Uh, one person mentioned, like, what-ifs and chapter discussions. I'm not really sure what they mean by what-ifs, but... Individual chapter discussions are kind of hard because, like, I don't. I mean, I mean, when we when we first started out, like, we we kind we threw out the idea of doing like weekly show to jump like reviews and stuff, and just talk about what we're like just weekly manga that we're reading. But honestly, like, th- as the podcast has gone on, I've, I'm just not as interested in discussions like that. Mm, there are other uh, podcasts kind of doing that also, especially with Shonen Jump stuff. You know, like I. I'm an avid listener of Weekly Manga Recap, and, like, I, uh, I don't know, I don't... Just because their show is already so good at that, probably the best of that kind, like, I don't really feel the need to also do that, so... Yeah, the, like, there there are other podcasts that do, that do do that kind of thing, and I just don't think that's something we're particularly interested in. I mean, at least not for Shonen Jump series, which I think are very covered by a lot of people. Yeah. And then what if, like, in terms of speculative content, like, uh, that that's kind of fun. Like, go, uh, what if this happened in this series? Or what if this uh, crossover with this series? Like, those are kind of fun. So maybe it'd be like be... those Masako X videos? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, those could be, like, Patreon thing. Like, actually, uh, speaking of Weekly Morning Recap, they do stuff like that on their Patreon. Which it's like, uh, what if they you try to make like a movie based on an animal mascot from this series? Like, what would happen? What? Or a live action <laughs> adaptation? Like, if you were trying to make like a really Hollywoodized live action adaptation of a series, like how would that happen? So that would be those. That kind of stuff would be fun or and fun. No, I'm do. just imagining a nightmare fuel leveled happy from fairy tale <laughs> live action. <laughs> Uh, in terms of other responses, uh, people, one person really liked lists and manga lists. And, uh, oh, this is a, one of the responses that we had mentioned earlier. Like, uh, one person wrote that it would be nice to hear more discussion on news instead of just going through them quickly. And, uh, they believe our entry would better be focused on choosing news and licenses that we know we have something to say about, even though that would mean not covering everything. And yeah, I would agree with this uh, respondent a lot that if we could curate the news a little bit better, focusing on the stories, we definitely have something to really say about more than just like mention. And I think that we'll probably focus on that in the future. Yeah, I guess it's definitely a thing during like, I guess, con season where there's a lot of yeah 
like announcements and like you aren't going to know every single announcement or be familiar with it. Yeah, I would try to do my best in the future to like research some of the new licenses so that we can do more than just read off the synopses. So I do agree with that, that just reading out the synopses in itself isn't interesting. So like, I will try to do some more research in the future to have a little more to say. Yeah, that was, that was something I, I tried to avoid with the, with the last episode we, uh, we put out, at least uh, by the time you're listening to this, I hope it's out, um, where, where we talked about some of the latest Seven Seas licenses and whatnot. I, I very much tried to avoid not just reading the synopses and just try, just try to give a quick like summary of like what what the title was and whatnot and uh yeah no i, I think we could do better about that my my and see i this is this is like the most stressful thing i guess about the news is that you know we're not it, it's like we mentioned earlier we're not always gonna have like we're not we're not always gonna have huge discussions on every news piece uh just because like you know either we don't have the time to or like we mo- mostly uh, well, i guess i should say mostly because we we don't always have like a lot to say about certain pieces but also like that doesn't mean i guess in my mind like ev- even if we don't have something to add to to a particular news piece like there are i don't know like there are news pieces that like i feel like we need to report on I guess, like, I feel like licenses are are an example of that because it's like, yeah, even if we don't have a lot to add about the, like, the licensing and stuff, like, you know, we have people like, you know, Bomber who actually listen to us, you know, for licensing news and stuff because they're, they're not aware of, like, what comes out over in the West. And I think that's pretty valuable for some people still, even if, even if we don't have a very long conversation about it, like, people still want to know about that stuff, so... It's that it's that kind of stuff that like makes it kind of hard for us to curate news as much as we, we we would like to, I guess, or at least in my mind anyway. So I don't know. It's it, news is hard, all right? Like it's pro- it's probably the hardest part of producing the show, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think that in terms of having discussion, uh, we can try and improve in some areas, but there are also some challenges. So it's something that we will work on yeah for sure but uh to go over some other recommendations uh some people said that they enjoy top lists and favorite manga in different categories i was uh, and speaking of lists like i was thinking like at some point maybe maybe once the podcast is run for a certain number of years that like we could do like we could we could just do a top 10 list of like our favorite manga of all time which like we 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 talk about our favorites a lot but i mean like after a certain amount of time and like we've we've read more because of the show it would be interesting to it would be interesting to see like if our favorites have changed depending on like you know how much we've read for the show and whatnot. I think that would be interesting, but that's that's also not like that. That's that's something we could do like way, 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 way down the line. Yeah, I mean, in the first episode, we discussed you know our top three favorite manga, and perhaps uh, with our fifth year coming up next year, we could uh, kind of revisit that and expand on that. So that could be an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, people! One, this person also wrote that they would like a seat of Weekly Shonen Magazine slash Shonen Sunday kind of uh, podcast too. Kind of, we did a Sunday podcast, maybe a follow up to that. See so yeah, how Sunday's change, and then we still do need to do a magazine one. That is like the last of the big street Shonen magazines that we had never covered. If anybody listening is is overtly familiar with uh, 
with Weekly Shonen Magazine and would like to come on the podcast to just talk to us about like what runs in the magazine and their thoughts on certain series, like please contact us. We'll have to look into it. Uh, in terms of other recommendations of Food Wars, so here's some ones that uh, I'll just say that people may want to keep an eye out for have happened in this year. A Food Wars episode and a cross-manage episode. Uh, I'll say, you know, keep an eye out for later this year. That's all I'll say for now. I, m- I mentioned in our Best of Manga uh, 2019 episode that I do want to read through Food Wars and do an episode on it. And uh, look, personally, when I say I want to do something, that usually means I'm I'm going to do it. Even, even if it means we don't get to it maybe before the end of the year we don't or it maybe it ends up like the Yu-Gi-Oh and Dragon Ball podcast where maybe we release them later like yeah I, I want to like Food Wars is like my goal for this year it's like my ultimate goal this year so that it's gonna happen or at least I'm gonna do my best to make it happen because I do want to finally finish it and we're about done uh, going over all these suggestions I guess we'll touch on because we mentioned earlier that one person did indeed write uh, fewer skits which well I think we'll do what we want I enjoy skits but uh... yeah yeah people I don't know like I, I, I see people have weird opinions on like skits and like fan made stuff all the time and well different people have different tastes and, some and that's people true and i'm not yeah. listening to the podcast for the skits perhaps uh, they just want the discussion so i can understand that but you know i have fun doing skits uh i have fun doing the intro so plus they could easily just skip over the skits. I mean, exactly yeah, like the nice that's, that's my that's podcast. my thing too is that like pe- people will complain about certain things about the podcast and i'm not saying those complaints aren't valid but there are some complaints where I'm just like, you know, there's a skip button, right? Like, you don't, like, you know, like, or especially for people who maybe they don't like the longer podcasts. Um, and I don't know, and it depends on the person, but like, maybe if they don't like the longer podcast because they don't like a certain portion of the podcast, like, if you, if you're not interested in manga news, and that's totally fine. You could skip through that if, like, if you if you just want to listen to an episode just to hear us talk about B stars, like, you know what, just go ahead and listen to us talk about B stars, like, or if you just want to listen to news and you don't care about what we're discussing that episode, you don't have to listen to the whole episode. Like, the like the skip button exists for a reason. Yeah, that's why I try and include the podcast breakdowns and be as comprehensive with them as possible, so like people know what we talk about and when, and so they can go to that if they're very interested. I always find that very helpful, and even with discussions themselves, like I try to put in subtopics uh, for especially long discussions, so people know what we talk about and when in a in a serious discussion. But uh, in general, most pe- a lot of people wrote to us that they really like what we've been doing with the show, and uh, just to keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I appreciate uh, the people who said those things. I think we might have mentioned it, but like I, th- I think our I think our very last like suggestion was uh, is that we do d- more discussions of canceled manga like Cross Manage and. But yeah, I mean that's definitely one that uh, again keep your eye out uh, this year. In general, I I hope maybe once we're done with a lot of our fan requests that, like, I do want to make it a mission to maybe try to do more than one canceled manga podcast per year. At least two. That would be nice, because there's so many canceled series that, like, I I have listed that, like, I really want to cover, but I know it's going to take, like, 10 million years at the rate we're going. So I want to try to be more frequent about those episodes as as best I can. But yeah, no, uh, thank you, everybody, for your suggestions and, uh, 
we will definitely try to use what we can to make the podcast better. Mm-hmm. And next we asked who people would like to see on as a guest on the show in 2020 and beyond. And there were a lot of calls for people from the industry, especially translators and letterers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they threw out a couple of suggestions like us, some of which you can look forward to being on the show very soon, like Brandon. Uh, but also people like Phil Christie and Vanessa Satone. And there's the translators. We have Stephen Paul. And there's the letters. We have Liz Blakesky Lee. Uh, there were also some uh, calls for like uh, anime uh, YouTuber, manga YouTubers like Kappa Effect and Joey the Anime Man, Econ, guys like that. Uchu Shelf suggested themselves. <laughs> yeah, and they are a great channel, and uh, yeah, I would love to have them on uh, in the future too. I mean, hey, maybe maybe we can have him on to talk about something from Inio Asano. I know I'm pretty sure he's a fan of his work in particular, so that would be pretty cool. And in terms of manga tubers, Mamalos Manga, I love her channel a lot too. Oh my god, I would I would love to have her on. She's she's great. I love her. <laughs> Um, personally, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think we could get Chuck Norris on here. Totally. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, he loves to talk about One Punch one Man. The, the bucket list, like uh, Akira Toriyama, too. I, how much you want to bet Chuck Norris is actually like a shoujo manga fan? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be funny. Uh, in terms of some other YouTuber guests, like Shannon Drew, she is a channel that I I love her channel a lot. Uh, she has made great at uh, video essays, especially on parasocial relationships. So uh, I don't know if there are many other anime manga series that they she is a fan of besides One Piece and Mob Psycho. But uh, yeah, I really enjoy her work too. And uh, we have uh, calls for some other, like, high-profile social media folk. I mean, more Grant people want to have on. Uh, Base Senpai. Man, I would, I would love to have Grant on for, like, an actual episode of Manga Mavericks. That, that does need to happen at some point. Um, I'm working on it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, more people from, like, uh, Manga Podcasts, like, uh, from Manga Pod, uh, Lou, they would like to see on. Uh, from the old uh, Stammer Stream crew, we have Doctor Nova, Hoven, and Grail Nine. Uh, Doctor Nova specifically also mentioned uh, for our Food Wars episode, so definitely they would be a great get for that. Uh, from Weekly Mod Recap, we have a recommendation for Nick, and I definitely would love to get him on sometime too. And then, uh, in terms of kind of just the general industry circle, Zach Bursby from ANN. We would like to see on Jacob Grady or Diaz from Faku, someone from Fudukia Renta, and definitely we have uh, someone in mind from Fudukia that we'd like to get on the show this year for sure. Yeah, stay tuned for that, maybe. Uh, I One person mentioned George. I think they're referring to George Horvat, which, again, I'm a huge fan of Land of Obsusion. I'd love to have him on the show or discuss this like, classic Kuramata manga. I like how someone said uh, Stefan Koza was already on, so nobody else, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, you know, there are a lot of calls for some uh, previous guests to return again, like Sakaki and Caleb. Of course. So definitely we'll have them on. Somebody from Viz, which, don't worry, we got you covered. And there's some other, like, a high-profile pie-in-the-sky guest, Mr. Odachi, someone who'd like to have on. Any actual mangaka? Yeah. The closest, the closest we've gotten to that is maybe Joey Weiser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a comic book artist. He's basically a mangaka. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah, it's more animators, creators in general, voice actors with some question marks. You know, there are a lot of voice actors in the manga. That'd be definitely cool. I mean, Vlord, you've interviewed a voice actor on Demon Slayer Pod. Yeah, uh, Brooke Chalmers. Yeah, great interview. Nice. And um, of course, we've interviewed uh, voice actors at cons too. Yeah, and there's a lot of voice actors in the community that do read a lot of manga. Like Justin Briner is a huge MHA fan. And, like, even, like, a lot of, like, ADR directors and stuff are actually reading the mangas that they're directing for. So, like, there's a lot of people to choose from. Interesting. Uh, there's a general call to have on more women, non-binary, people of color, LGBTQ folks on the show, which I agree with. And for definitely sure. want to work towards more inclusion, especially. And uh, in terms of other people, uh, my, uh, in terms of other uh, Twitter folk, Mikey Vice Manga... Uh, in terms of the translators, the translator for Haikyuu for Shonen Jump, which I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, oh, uh, finally, yeah, in terms of actually uh, comic artists, uh, someone did mention Felipe Smith so and uh, Matt Frank, which who are both like really great artists as well. So yeah, they would be cool people to have on the show. Um, I know we mentioned Stephen Paul earlier, and uh, I mean, I, I, would, I would love to have him on. I think he and I follow each other on Twitter for a long time for some reason. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, both Stephen Paul and Vanessa Satone uh, got a lot, got multiple mentions in terms of recommendations. I'd love to have uh, them on. I, I have, I have like, a few titles in particular that I think I'd want to have Stephen on, maybe, like, for Battle Angel Alita, because I think he did the retranslation for that. Oh, yeah, he did. And uh, Vinland Saga, like, what of those would be cool to have Definitely, definitely, uh, hopefully when we eventually get to stuff like that, I would love to have Stephen on for those, or... Um, and uh, Adrian Beck is the translator for Haikyuu, so definitely another person to uh, have on the show. And now we'll move on to our final question category, which was basically just a general, any final suggestions, talks, comments, or criticisms for our show. And uh, a lot of people just said, you know, keep up the great work. Yeah, a lot, lot, a lot of good praise from uh, from our listeners, which uh, made me feel good. Uh, Some fun comment uh, was, Lum should get a career in singing. <laughs> well, I definitely sang a lot on the podcast. You time. did. You definitely did. I don't disagree with that. <laughs> but you don't agree with that. Huh? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I don't disagree. <laughs> mm. So, well... I'm, I'm oh sorry. That probably that came off. That probably came off more backhanded than I actually wanted it to. <sighs> anyway, one person asked, "Would you ever interview Mangaka?" Yeah, definitely. Yes, yeah, we, we would love to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, God, it, getting those interviews though would be tough. Like, I mean, I interviewed Vofan and Anime NYC, and even getting that was like mostly pure luck. Yeah, audio interview especially would be a little tricky if they don't know English. Oh yeah, I mean, look, yeah, look, it's not, like as much as as much as I would love to just hit up Yusei Matsui and have him on our podcast. That's, that's just not how things work, unfortunately. Yeah, it's all about knowing the right people, and then even then, it's really difficult. <sighs> we're we're not we're not at that level yet. In terms of criticisms, uh, again, just people suggest making podcasts shorter and uh, quicker releases. So, yeah, definitely something that we will keep in mind. Something we're always working towards, so. A few people who were like, hey, I just started this podcast, and I'm loving it. Yeah, which makes me very happy to hear. And hopefully uh, you guys continue to love what we got in store in 2020. 
Mm-hmm. But that wraps up our survey for 2019. Thank you again to everyone who took the survey and to the folks who entered in for the giveaway contest. I should have reached out to you and hopefully uh, your books will be on your way. So hope you enjoy them. But yeah, that's it for this year's survey. And now we just have to look forward to all the stuff we've got planned for 2020 and beyond. Mm-hmm, for sure. And uh, yeah, I, I, I think I think without further ado, Lum and I will uh, will wrap up the show here. Um, and I, I guess before we head out into our, into our wrap up, we just want to thank uh, V-Lord for coming on once again. Yeah, no problem. I'm always happy to be on. All right, and uh, I guess before Lum and I take care of all of our normal plugs, uh, you mentioned the Demon Slayer podcast earlier. Uh, you should you should probably you should probably plug that along with the rest of your stuff. Yeah, so I guess first off, people can find me on Twitter at vlordgdz. Um, I'm a little bit less active nowadays since I have an actual job again, but um. I usually post about manga on there. I'm trying to, like, whenever I'm reading a new volume of manga, post about it and then just give my very general thoughts. So if you're kind of interested in that, follow me. Uh, Aside from that, I'm writing quite a few reviews over on all-comic.com. We're getting a lot of manga and light novels to review. So that's kind of where most of my free time is going nowadays. It is both a blessing and a curse. But you can also find my more Tanami-focused content over on TanamiFaithful.com. We write various Tanami articles, and we also do a few anime reviews on there as well. So definitely check that out. And I also host the Demon Slayer podcast, where we talk about the Demon Slayer anime and the manga. Right now we're specifically talking about the English dub of the anime as it's airing on Tanami, as well as the manga Pub and the new volumes. So if you're interested in Demon Slayer, you want to hear more about Demon Slayer, uh, definitely listen to that. We're on Twitter at DSlayerPodcast, um, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Demon Slayer Podcast, and on the Tsunami Faithful website at TsunamiFaithful.com slash Demon Slayer Podcast. Um, and the podcast is based on everything at this point, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. So whatever you listen to podcasts on, just... Look us up, subscribe, and enjoy all our episodes. All right, yeah, definitely go follow uh, Vlord and all all their stuff. Uh, we'll leave links in the show notes for uh, their Twitter and the Demon Slayer podcast and their tsunami stuff and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I think Lum, we should just head out into the rest of the show. Indeed, time to wrap this up. Thanks again to everyone who participated and shared their thoughts in our annual survey. We really appreciate you guys sharing your thoughts and all your feedback really helps us guide what we do with the show in the future and helps us make it every better. So I want to give you all a shout out to everyone who took the survey for helping us out. But I also, of course, want to give shout-outs to other, you know, great uh, creators out there in the community space that have been doing work for a great many years. And this time I want to give a shout-out to Team Four Star. Team Four Star recently announced that they are discontinuing DBZ Abridged because, you know, they have creatively kind of reached what they wanted with the project, and I fully support the decision. I mean, they worked on Dragon Ball Z Abridged for almost as long as Akira Toriyama worked on the original manga. 
and I think it's a good idea for them to step away and focus on other great creative projects. I really like a lot of the work that Team Star does on their channel. So in general, I want to give a general shout out to their work. You know, Dragon Ball Z Abridged and their Let's Plays and all the other stuff they do. And for, I guess, something in particular, one of their newest projects is a podcast called the TalkCast Pod Show. And it's just a conversational podcast for the members of TFS, you know, congregate and just talk about whatever topics they have on their mind for a particular week, whether to be the latest anime or the new Sonic movie. So you can check that out for some good listening as well. Now, just wanted to give them a shout out. And otherwise, I think that will do it for this week. And we can head into our wrap up for the episode. All right. Uh, but before we start plugging all of our stuff, uh, just uh, just just a quick Patreon announcement. Um, you know, if, if, if you're already a patron and you subscribe to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks, then... This will be no surprise to you if you uh, if you listen to our last uh, bonus podcast where we talked about the comic with uh, Stefan Koza, uh, which, by the way, if uh, if you haven't listened to that, uh, please sign up for our uh, $5 tier and you can listen to that along with a bunch of other bonus podcasts that we've released uh, monthly. And uh, speaking of bonus podcasts, you know, I think it's about time that we talk about what we're going to do uh, for possibly most of the most of this coming year uh with the exception of a couple months here and there we officially have our next manga mavericks book club series uh all planned out and uh, we even have the first episode already recorded and hopefully you know uh by the time this comes out it'll come out about a, about basically the next weekend after this uh and uh we are going to be covering none other than uh saint seiya knights of the zodiac as uh it is called in some parts of the world uh we're going to be covering the original saint seiya manga as it was released by viz media oh so long ago uh and yeah uh i'm going to be covering that with my friend doctor from the ass backwards anime podcast we've we've had him on the show before it's, it's been a while but we've had him on the show before to talk about my hero academia and all sorts of other stuff you know if, in in case you don't listen to my other shows. I record pretty frequently with him over at the Ask Backwards Anime Podcasting Network, or the uh, SSA Network, as we like to call it. Uh, the best kept secret on the internet, as he likes to call it. And so, yeah, if, if you if you listen to anything that he and I record together, um, then you know you'll. I think I think you'll like this one. Uh, I really enjoyed how the first episode uh, of our Saint Seiya read through came out, and I can't wait for you guys to listen. Uh, I'm probably going to do the same thing I did with the first episode of our Phantom Blood read-through that we did a little while ago, where uh, the first episode will definitely be exclusive on our pa- uh, for our patrons first, on our Patreon, uh, and then uh, 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 you know, once I get the chance and we find a spot, uh, I would like to upload it on our, on our main feed just to give people sort of a preview as to what they can expect. Uh, but, uh, every other episode of this, of this Saint Seiya read-through that we do from, from then on, uh, will be available exclusively through our Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you are wondering, uh, what our next read-through was, there it is. We're going to be talking about Saint Seiya 
for probably the better part of the next year. Uh, it's a it's about it's a twenty eight volume long series. We're gonna try to cover about two volumes an episode. Uh, Saint Seiya, for those who don't know, is a very action heavy series. So uh, you know, I think two volumes an episode will kind of give us enough to talk about per episode. So uh, yeah, um, it's my first time reading through Saint Seiya and Docs as well. So. Uh, I'm really excited to uh, to kind of go through it for the first time, especially since I unfortunately couldn't be on our Saint Seiya episode. Uh, that's kind of the biggest reason why I'm doing this. The, the Manga Mavericks Book Club is, is essentially the place where, you know, if, if one of us can't join, uh, can't join up for an episode of the podcast where we talk about a particular series, this will be the, this will be the spot where we can, you know, go through the series on our own and, uh, go through it at our own pace here and just give our own thoughts. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to doing this uh, and I hope everybody enjoys it again. That's at the uh, $5 tier. Every episode of that will be coming out at the end of every month. And uh, yeah, I, I hope you guys give it a listen. I'm looking forward to listening to newbies of St. Seiya read through the series and share their opinions for the first time as someone who has uh, you know, been a fan for quite a number of years. All right, but again, that's at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, that's the best way to support us. And uh, yeah, I think with all that out of the way, um, I don't think we have quite the idea of what we're going to be doing next episode just yet. So stay tuned, you know, we'll uh, we'll post updates as soon as we have them. And uh, I think we're going to we're going to plug all that stuff right now. Uh, but first, Lum, where can the people find you? You can find me at Lomoyasha on Twitter. There's Lomoyasha in a variety of places like Anime Revelation and Analyst. Wherever there's a Lomoyasha, that's where you can find me. And you can also read my manga reviews over at all-gamma.com. Been writing a lot of those lately and have a lot more in the works. So look forward to more. All right. Definitely go check out all alum stuff and read their reviews. Uh, but as for me, I'm Colty. You can find me on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also, you know, just mentioned I do a few other podcasts as well, uh, which you can find links to over at, at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. Uh, that's basically where I, uh, you know, you'll find links to shows such as Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast, uh, and uh, One Podcast Prevails, and links to all sorts of shows I do. So, uh, again, that's at coltoncorner.wordpress.com. And uh, I guess, yeah, as for all comic in the podcast and whatnot, uh, you can find every episode of the podcast at all-comic.com. This is where we post every episode first, unless you are a Patreon at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, just to mention our $2 tier real quick, uh, if you sign up for $2, uh, that'll basically give you the opportunity to hopefully listen to early access editions of the podcast whenever we happen to have those edited. If you want the chance to hopefully listen to the podcast early, that's your best bet. And so, yeah, again, patreon.com slash manga mavericks is the best way to support us. But yeah, uh, I guess just as for all comic, uh, you want to follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow manga mavericks in particular, you want to follow us uh, on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks or on Tumblr at mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast, especially on Twitter. You want to uh, subscribe to us on YouTube at uh, youtube.com slash mangamavericks. Uh, we just began uh, uploading some more stuff on there. 
Uh, I think I mentioned our uh, my love story discussion last time, and uh, uh, we just uploaded all of our We Never Learned discussions between our first discussion and then our Q and A uh, extravaganza. So uh, if you if you want some more if you want some We Never Learned content, uh, go listen uh, go listen to those. Uh, again, that's at youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, subscribe to us there. And then, uh, you know, email us anything at manga mavericks at gmail.com. Uh, we love getting emails, you know, uh, email us about uh, what you thought about all the news we covered this episode. Uh, what do you think about some of the survey results from this episode? Um, you know, what, what manga are you reading? You know, just just t- t- tell us anything about manga, uh, the podcast, just anything related to those two subjects or more, I don't know, at uh, mangamavericks at gmail.com, and uh, we'll read them on the show. Uh, but the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. And, uh, you know, if you do that, that really helps the visibility of our show. If you give us a good rating and review, or a bad review, I don't know. Give us whatever rating and review you you uh, you feel is uh, appropriate. Um, you know, we, we, we appreciate that you even leave us those in the first place. So, there you go. And then, yeah, uh, I think that's really going to be about it for this episode. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening to the Manga Mavericks podcast over at all-comic.com. This has been episode 112, and we will see you guys next time for episode 113. Bye, guys. Sayonara! Sayonara!